Good morning, sports fans. Fill up that coffee cup and that bowl. Sit back and relax. Because live from Colorado, it's time for the Sports Offensive. We're glad to have you with us today. Uh, We've got a pretty full show, and there's a lot going on in the sports world. And unfortunately, I've been so slammed at work that I uh, only have a peripheral knowledge of it. So uh, I'll be leaning hard on my co-host this morning. We're going to be running over the uh, MLB baseball, uh, the award season time is coming up. Uh, We're going to go over the college football matchups, which have been kind of getting more and more chaotic. We're going to be running over the NFL, which... Uh, you know, obviously some big news with a big star signed and already possibly out for the season. And uh, we also try and review uh, a little bit of fantasy baseball or excuse me, fantasy football and kind of give you an update on where things are as we're hitting about the two thirds point of the football season. So if you're not alive in your fantasy league, you probably aren't going to have a good shot of making your playoffs at this point. If you are within striking distance, and I would say, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I would say between two and three games behind right now, you still are alive but you're going to have to win out and you're going to probably need some help. Uh, that's my case in the fanatics league that I'm in with both of you. I'm only uh, two games out of first place, even though I don't have a very good record. Thankfully you have a bad division and uh, I want to tip my cap and thank you to JP for rolling over for me this weekend. Uh, it was a very nice gesture to let me get that W. He, he didn't need it. Uh, oh, you're not on yet. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> you're, you're, you're on, you're on probation. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I've heard those words too many times in my lifetime. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Wow, you're coming in loud now. Oh, oh. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, uh, but uh, JP, I know that you're eight and one now in the fantasy yep, league. Yep, yep, yep. I'm out. I'm eight and one in my biggest money league. So I, I you know, I'm excited. As I'm sure you are. I am, uh, but I, I, I fear another loss is coming this weekend because this is when these two weekends are where a lot of the players were had their bye weeks. Sure, my sure. And you know what? That's that's kind of when you know that your team is really good. When you continue to go unbeaten or only have one or two losses in your whole season, and you're going through the bye week gauntlet, that means that you drafted well or you picked week. up well. <laughs> Yeah, I, now I do try. Smoked. Do you both try to consolidate your bye weeks into like maybe two or three weeks when you're drafting? You I try look to at the do buys? it to two. Yeah, you, I, typically okay. two. I yeah. try to do it to two. It just fell. Just, it was back to back this time. I just expect yeah. it to be a loss. I mean, sure. You know, and I always I got try. guys. You got, I mean, it's like uh, this weekend. So I've got Adam Thielen on one team with Philip Lindsay on the same team. And Is that your dynasty team? Uh, yes, and then my uh, my quarterbacks are Case Keenum and Kurt Cousins. Oh, <laughs> no. This weekend in Dynasty, I am on my third-string quarterback, which is Josh Rosen, my fourth-string, excuse me, fifth-string running back, Capri Bibbs, and you get Fournette, which is great. I have him as number one. I'm on my fifth running back in that league. And then my receiver, I'm on, like, my fifth receiver. Because I have Thielen out, and then, like, the next two or three guys are hurt. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel your pain on the Dynasty League, but you, you, like me and, like, Anderson and at least half of the league, we built for the next three years, not really yeah. this year. So this year was but kind of a I bonus. thought I had a pretty darn strong team for this year until after week three. Yeah, you had a good all start, my injury, sure. I mean, you lose your two starting running backs and your number two receiver. 
you're not going to do much. Hey, preaching yeah. to the choir. I lost my number. Yeah. My num- well, technically he's my number three running back, but he'd be a tub or, he'd be a top two on most teams, and then yeah. my quarterback. And so, then the guy and my tight end. The guy I'm playing this week has McCaffrey. So, <laughs> well, I think McCaffrey, McCaffrey might have scored, scored uh, 30. Oh, more than that. Did he score more than that? Yeah, it was I, more like 40. I was lucky. I didn't have to face him in any of my leagues. I uh, I do have him in the Fanatics League, so that was nice. I think he scored 37. Wow, that yeah. is a nice week. Yeah. It's like a Kamara. Three uh, touchdowns. He's finally being used correctly and, and finding his way and, and, and all that. Um, now, uh, I guess we'll uh, – usually we go to JP for the question, but I think you're the one that has it in your head. So we'll yeah. go ahead and go to Nate Dog here with a sports trivia question of the week. Yeah, hold on just a second, guys. Um, so I've actually got a couple of questions. I thought it would be more fun to do maybe a couple today. Um, so the first question – it's a baseball question. Which player has appeared in the most World Series games? Now, I think if you guys use the deduction of logic, you could probably figure this one out. You said which player? Which player? Okay, I'm pretty sure I know that answer. I think we has, asked that question before. Has appeared in the most World Series games. Okay, yeah, maybe we have. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, okay, so second of all, the question is, which position has the least amount of of inductees in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Which position has the least amount of inductees so, in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame? I will tell you that pitcher has the most. Well, there's a caveat that I have to ask you about that question then. Yeah, go for and it. And that is, is the DH considered a position? No. Okay, good. Because I was otherwise I'd say that, that would be a lot. Because yeah. I think only... I don't know if anyone – has no one ever made it for a DH, or was it, has it, did Edgar Martinez get in from the Mariners? Not yet. So there's no DHs in the, in the Hall of Fame. I don't David think Ortiz so. will be in there at some point, I'm sure. He will, yes. Um, okay, and then final question is actually a multiple-choice question, but I thought it was the best question of the three, um, and it's another baseball. Which of these que- – uh, sorry, which of these players did not win a Cy Young Award in their career? John Smoltz, Don Drysdale. Or catfish hunter. Hmm. So that's what I got today, fellas. Let's see how good you are. I think those are all pretty answerable. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm pretty sure I know the World Series question. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to answer the um, Hall of Fame question. The Cy Young question is tough because I think there's two big time candidates, and it maybe even three, because only one of them, am I pretty certain, did win a Cy Young. Award. And who would that be? Uh, go through the names again. I want to make sure I don't mix them up. Uh, it was Catfish Hunter, Catfish Hunter, Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan Don John Drysdale, Smoltz, and John and, Smoltz, and Don Drysdale. Okay, so I'm 85% sure John Smoltz never won one. I believe he came super close the year that Gagne won it. Oh. But I don't think he won it after that. He may have won one. He may have won one. I mean, I, I could be wrong on that. Well, Drysdale. You'll find out in about 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, Drysdale is kind of 50-50. You know, I, I, I know he had some very good years, but trying to win a Cy Young when, when Sandy Koufax was winning them would have been hard. And I'm not sure if he ever had that high of a, of, of a year, except that I know he was one of the pitchers, one of the first players to ever hold out. So he could have easily won a Cy Young Ooh. and used that as justification. Drysdale. Oh, really? He and Koufax were one of the, the first two players to hold out uh, for, a, for a raise and not play. And wow. You never see that in baseball. No, because their contracts are so big now. <laughs> and, they're, and they're guaranteed. That's the other thing. Yeah, they're guaranteed. So, yeah. um, and when you got a union that strong, you know. 
Uh, Catfish yeah. Hunter, I think, is a really high probability to. Well, think about the two teams that the guy played for. Right. Now, wait, is the question that only one of them has not won one? Correct. Oh, so three of them have won. I was thinking the, three, the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Three have won one. One, one has not one won. One has Cyan. not of those four pitchers. Oh, then I know who I'll, I'll be guessing. So that'll be, that will be interesting. Those are good questions. Those are, those good are questions. really good questions. Yeah, they're all good, yeah. And, JP, welcome onto the show. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling great. I, I woke up at about 3.15 this morning and busted out some notes here from last night from the show, from the sports. Well, had a bunch of energy. Had a big salad about 5 a.m., Crashed from six to seven fifteen, and got another spurt of energy. Went into Santiago's, got us all some nice burritos here. And you know the best part about Santiago's, it was packed today, so there was you could tell the walk of shame. And you know there was these two cute blonde girls sitting there. The one had her hat on backwards, the other one had these big puffy red eyes, all bloodshot. And I was just like, man, if I didn't have to go do a radio show, I'd be going over either hung over or still drunk. I'd be going over there and asking the dinner. <laughs> Say, hey, we got a nice lazy river. I know it's only about 25 degrees, but, you know, or how is it warm out there today? I don't know. Sled on it, probably. <laughs> oh, you know, the, the actual lazy river has been very warm this fall. I'm very surprised because our, our, pool, our pool keeps to about 68 degrees and the hot Ooh, tub about 103. That is brisk. So. 68. Because we keep it open year round. So. Yeah. Oh, so, it, so it's got a warming thing in it? It's yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's heated. I, yeah. When I say 68, it's probably more like 72. Yeah, you yeah. know what? A seventy-something degree pool in about a forty-five degree day is phenomenal. Oh, I'll tell you what. When it's it. when the snowflakes are flying and you got a pool hot tub full of guys and girls and booze everywhere, jumping in and out of the hot tub into the pool back in, you never know what go, might, might go flying everywhere. Well, it's the best when it turns into <laughs> a time machine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to send out a heartfelt uh, sorry and hope everyone is you know, surviving um, the hometown of my grandparents and where both of my parents grew up is Thousand gone. Uh, and paradise. Oh, paradise, paradise. As um, I was say, I wasn't is, sure if it was, I thought you were talking right about the shooting. Yeah. Oh no, no, that, that too. Uh, <laughs> really, with a lot going on in California. Yeah. Paradise is gone. Yeah. The city is gone. The Flying. whole thing, 26,000 yeah. people and it's gone. And uh, that's where I spent every Christmas for the first like, probably 17, 18 years of my life. Wow, that's not. crazy, so, man. That's nuts. Uh, it's heading towards Chico. We're hoping it doesn't get there. Chico's where I was born. Mm. Chico's where I lived until I was about one. And that's also where I went and lived uh, after high school for a while. Is and, that is uh, that Reading, California? Reading, California, however you pronounce so it? So Reading is where I grew up. You, you grew up in Reading. Okay. How so far? Reading's about uh, yeah. an hour and a half north of Chico oh, yeah. on uh, California Highway 99. Right. Reading is about three hours north of San Francisco or Sacramento using I-5. Okay, because I, so, I saw that name pop up on the maps this morning up by the Paradise. That was where the yeah. car fire was. The and car fire, wiped out yeah. Whiskey Town and, and Keswick yeah. City and all those cities got wiped Without out. Without getting uh, too like in depth, what were you? Why were your folks in Chico? Like, why were you born there? What were they doing? So they both grew up in Paradise. And they lived right down the street from each other. That's how they met each other and they knew each other and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, then they went to Berkeley mm-hmm. to go to school. They both went to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. My dad ended up transferring to UCSF to get his pharma- pharmacological um, oh, and doctorate and that's and, or whatever that thing is called. And then when they graduated, they moved back to the, where they were, you know, back to home. Mm-hmm. But they didn't want to – I think they moved I think they moved back to Paradise. And my dad worked in my grandpa's pharmacy mm-hmm. for a while. And my, my grandpa owned two or three drugstores. I think it was two drugstores, mm. or maybe it was just one paradise drug. But I think it was two. And uh, then he opened. I think I think he opened up a place in Chico. Or my dad got an offer to work for a hospital in Chico, doing more um, administrative 
mm-hmm. pharmacology, pharmacology. And so uh, then they went there. That's where I was born. You know, my sister had been born earlier. And then when I was one and a half, my dad got the job as director of pharmacy at Mercy. Oh. And so we moved up to Reading. Dangerous place to hang out inside a pharmacy. <laughs> well, <laughs> not really. Not if you know what happens to you if you take some. And you know what? There's a name remain nameless who no longer has their degree because they were caught pilfering pills so well i i know this because one of my uh one of my good friends back east uh graduated with no names mentioned um <laughs> got a pharmacy degree from duquesne made 90 grand out of college in virginia beach got relocated to there that's the one that and looks like it's it's pronounced duquesne yes yeah it's up on the hill overlooking <laughs> right. everything it's it's a real ritzy part but um he said the first day of class what they give you is a book of all the drugs what you mix it with and what happens i'm like that's trouble yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's what walter white got started right yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, safe to say, I remember like one song from a Dave Matthews show at an amphitheater in Pittsburgh that night. <laughs> well, they say um, that. Um, um, oh man, thing jumped out of my head. What would what, I just say? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, Brian Cranston says that they are making a Breaking Bad movie. So, when what time period is the movie going to be? Like, way before he got cancer? I mean. We saw every inch of his life after that, or is it just the time between the final episode and the and the, and the penultimate episode? Because there was like a there was that time break right when he there was. went to that cabin and he grew. I wonder beard and if that if that's not going to be it. And then I wonder if they're going to do anything with Saul in that movie too, you know, to try to kind of piece together the end of Breaking Breaking Bad and then kind of where Saul kind of started out, or I'm sorry, the end of Saul and the beginning of Breaking Bad, right? That would be kind of a prequel, yeah, sort of. I didn't have a situation. chance to watch Better Call and Saul this. this. I've just been too busy, and so, so I. I'm we so excited. We just watched it. We just. I think we have one more to watch. But nice. I'm so. I'm so. I actually want to. I think I want to start from the beginning. I'll be honest with you, bud. It's a lot like Breaking Bad this season, and it's really depressing. <laughs> gotcha. But it's but it's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's really well I, done. I've always said that I thought Breaking Bad was a phenomenal show. I don't think it was the best show ever, like a lot of people did. Uh, only because of the fact that the first two seasons to me were just depressing and hard. Are, like I didn't kind of like, boring actually a little bit too at times a little yeah. a little yeah and I didn't like it it made me feel so Especially lousy the, before I went to sleep the first half of season two but I think they did it on purpose right because I think that really because the climax to me well not necessarily the climax but like kind of where things get going is that half second half of season two mm-hmm. you know like really the last few episodes uh, episodes of season two really into season three kind of, you know, where the plane crash and all that happens. And Yeah, I, I didn't really get into – I mean, I get into I watched every episode, but I didn't Sorry, enjoy it alert. until middle of season three is when I – basically when he met Gus yeah. is when I started to enjoy the show. Which is – the be- he's one of the best characters Amazing on TV character. ever. Yeah, he was awesome. I mean, just the, the Quintus – he's a perfect villain, right? Because, you know, you get, the, like, the, the crazy villains who's screaming and, you're I'm going to do this and then It's like, that's not a scary villain. Oh, that's, just like, that's just like an idiot. and intelligent. It's, right. And... It's the smart one who's got a plan. Yes. And who's calm. And it's like, oh, I'm just going to wipe you out. There's, there's no emotion involved. You're just yeah. done. And that's, that's a scary villain. You know, that's, I like yeah, that. It's one of the best, best villains, I think, ever, for sure. Boy, we got GP is busy over there. What are you doing? I'm just sending out some, uh, we're live right now, oh. some tweets and <laughs> okay. some everything. Do you have that? Uh, do you have that uh, note thing that had all the the tweets you can use? 
Uh, I, I do. I'm just going off the cuff to try to mix it up a little bit. Ah, cool. Right on. <laughs> well, check out our Twitter feed. So I probably should get into that. We didn't even go over that this morning. If you want to do us that favor, go to Facebook. You can like us there. You can follow us on Twitter at both under the handle at the SPT Offensive. You can find us on Instagram under the handle the Sports Offensive with underscores between the words. You can head to our station website at thesportsoffensive.com. And when you go there, you can learn about us. You can check out our multiple shows, listen to current and prior episodes, again, at thesportsoffensive.com. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, JP, do we have the, the live link posted on the on our our site? Today? Oh, yeah. We have, okay. We're up and running. You can go right to it. So thesportsoffensive.com, click on the player on the front page, or you can also go to Blog Talk Radio to listen to us live. If you want to listen to previous episodes and get caught up on, uh, like, the Alien Offensive or maybe uh, JoJo Wardrummer, uh, you can do that uh, also at our website at thesportsoffensive.com. You can check out any on-demand episodes on Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, iHeart, Stitcher, and we are also an iTunes podcast. We do want to thank our show supporters, Idiot Cult T-Shirts, Health Guru at EK Fit, and the Space Savers of Operation Organized. Find all of them and links to their sites on our site, again, at thesportsoffensive.com. Please feel free to give us a call, 929-477-3204. We gladly take calls at any time, 929-477-204. And I'll have to ask my co-host to keep their eye on the screen because it's behind <laughs> my back, so I can't actually see it. Once, we, uh, once I have a place to move to and I can, I'll mount a small screen on the wall, that'll be perfect for podcasting, and then we can like actually like use it for uh, – um, like if you want to hit those buttons to make sounds or noises and stuff like that, I think that'd be nice to have that up there. And uh, anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. So on back on to uh, real life here. We do have a plate full of chocolate-covered bacon on the table. So is that what that is? Yeah. Feel free to help I was, yourself. I was wondering what was going on there. You know, I, I heard I heard something up on uh, – I was listening to KBPI, and I had the radio cranked this morning because I'm all pumped up after I took a little nap from 6 to 7 sure. there. And uh, they're saying every piece of bacon you eat takes seven minutes off your life. I was like, dude, I, oh, I was man. born in 1975. I'd be dead by 1976 already. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, 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 you know, you say it's worth every, it's worth every second, you know? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Literally. Second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally, I mean, right? I mean, hey, man, you know, life is about the joys that you get to have. You know, I saw last night, I was going to go see Bohemian Rhapsody and fell off movie pass like an hour before i went to the movie no. theater yeah it's just kind of it's kind of a wonky thing right now and they're trying to get it all kind of situated before they go bankrupt and um <laughs> but it is a nice <laughs> that's per- not very encouraging <laughs> well no they're having trouble well, because they thought that movie theaters would begin to partner with them and instead movie theaters are saying no we'll just start our own loyalty programs and yeah you know, and, and push you out but it is awesome because if you like smaller films or more indie films, it's great because it gives you a lot of freebies to those. And like, uh, I really want to see that movie Border, and I want to go down, but it's only it's only shown at the Alamo Draft House, and so it's like the only theater I can go to because it's such a small movie. It's a Norwegian or Swedish, I think, but it's it's about a border control agent, and she can smell contraband on people. Mm-hmm. Like she can smell she can smell the like the pheromones or whatever, not pheromones, whatever scent you give off because you're you're trying to hide something or whatever. And, or is she uh, a mix between a uh, female and a German Shepherd? Uh, well, you know what? Look at the pictures. Yeah, kind of. Kind of looks, kind of looks like that. Um, but it's actually, basically, she kind of looks like a Neanderthal. That's not the that's not the plot of the movie. It's actually something different. But um, the plot is fantastic. And I didn't even read the whole plot because I didn't want to be I didn't want to spoil it. So now I really want to go see it because it's, it's a really it'll be really pushing the boundaries on uh, filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But last night I ended up going to see uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? And so it's hmm. Melissa McCarthy, you're one of your lady's favorite actresses, mm-hmm. and it's her first dramatic turn that I've ever seen. I, I, she may have done one before, but it's the only time I've ever seen her do a dramatic role. She's a very good actress. Um, I don't like her comedy very often because it's so 
um, generic to me. Yeah, <clears throat> little uh, slapstick, generic. Yeah, and I she's and like the I Will can... Ferrell of. Yeah, she's been in. Cause there you go, and that would make sense because I don't like Will Ferrell as a comedian, except when he's a, a supporting character, right? He's funny when he's the gaff, kind of like Kramer, right? Kramer works great as a slapstick because he's just the gaff guy that is on the side, you know. But, not but when, the main yeah, right, you could never do a spinoff with Kramer; it wouldn't be any good. You know? Especially not now. Yeah. After well, yeah. <laughs> well, well uh, that was before he became racist and got on film. You know? Well, well she, I don't think it was before he became racist. I'm sorry, before he got before he got caught on <laughs> film. Yeah. There you go. No, I think Melissa go. McCarthy did a great job in Mike and Molly as a sitcom. Those yeah, two yeah. kind of played. They, they they did all kinds of crazy stuff with her and yep. And every it was a good it was a good it was good writing for that. I agree. Plus, I I, yeah. I really liked her as the pawn shop. Um, um, in uh, Hangover, in the Hangover, yeah. um, she played the so pawn shop worker. Right? The third, yeah, the third one where oh the third where one, Alan yeah. Alan falls like, in love. Yes, and she did a really good job. Yes, she did. It was a small part, but yeah. But I do remember. Uh, I just want to say, like, if you uh, if you are a writer, and or oh. if you've ever struggled with like writer's block or trying to get work published and actually get paid for it. This is a great movie because it shows you kind of a lot of the emotion involved in that. And as a person that does a lot of writing, I can tell you there's nothing more frustrating than when you feel like you've done something that's really good work and then it doesn't get nearly the publicity or the attention of something you wrote that you don't think was nearly as good. And you realize that when you're creating something for the masses, it, the more complex or complicated something is, the smaller your um, window base. your base is. I, I think I totally agree with that, and I think it's the music industry is really similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're writing music for yourself. You know, mostly I think that's what people do. You know, you're writing because you know you want to get some feelings out, or you want to you know express yourself or whatever. Um, but I think that's the same thing, right? You come up with a song and you're like, wow, that's so complex and like really cool. But then like the really poppy fun one is the one that it becomes the hit. Sure. The catchy one. Yeah. The catchy one. I mean, I, in fact, I don't like, I'm one of the few people I know that generally doesn't like artists. I like songs. So I don't ever have like, oh, I want to go see this person in concert because it's like, oh, I only like like three of their songs. I'm an artist guy and a song guy. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I wish I was Tom Petty, Metallica, and Alan Jackson are probably the only, or Garth Brooks probably, so you are the can only listen to four all of it. that I can listen to any album and I'd be like, oh, that's good, put that yeah. on, you know? Um, but like, again, that's why when, when you first be able, were able to burn CDs, yeah. I was so excited because... Oh, I spent hours <laughs> yeah, right? mixtapes or yep. whatever, you know? Yep. like, and, and finally you could do it right because the mixtape thing, right? First it had to be like, you had to record it off the radio. And then it sucked because you had to like make sure you didn't record over the song before you had on there. You, you got pissed off because the DJ had to talk over your favorite part of the song every <laughs> freaking time. And I think they did that on purpose so that you didn't record it so they could make you call yeah, in. Absolutely. I'll never forget the days of Anderson and I with his little brother wanting to do a uh, play band in the, in the playroom and uh, calling into uh, B94 in Reading and asking them to put on Def Leppard's Pour Some Sugar on Me so we could rock it out again, you know? Sweet. I, I have a memory just like that, <laughs> oh, yeah. except it was Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got a member where the band was actually in a sports bar that no longer exists in Allentown. <laughs> what happened to the bar? Uh, they just went on business. It was called oh. Rookies. We used to go there every Monday night. So the band comes in. My friend who is big... BK, who is uh, six foot three, running three bills right now. Huge guy. Known him all my life. 
life, gets up on a chair and starts screaming, the bar and we were just it was a three dollar yingling so <laughs> i gotta have a yingling one of these days man i hear i, hear I couldn't i couldn't fit in any of my bag on the way back i was gonna bring some oh, oh yeah i just need to go I to philadelphia unfortunately i was so close when i was in new jersey too bad i couldn't get there or we didn't i didn't go somewhere that i didn't even think to ask about a yingling at the bar um you the, probably the, could have found the border. you would have got a bottle probably somewhere well, the only, find the only time I would have had a chance would have been at the what restaurant is, we went for dinner. What does it taste? I mean, is it like a Pilsner, like a Bud Light? Uh, you like know, a, your Yingling Lager, you ask for a lager. Oh, it's a lager. Oh, okay. Now, they have their premium, which is more like your Budweiser, Coors Light. I, I had the black and tan, man. People, and then they have the porter. I, people looked at me in Pottsville. I was drinking porter straight at my ex-brother-in-law's uh, bachelor party. They yeah. looked at me like I was nuts. I was like, but the black and tan That's is actually funny, uh, the uh, porter plus the premium mixed. Um, they have Chesterfield Ale, but the lager is the, the flagship of it all. Yeah, we could do a whole show on beer. beer. <laughs> I don't even like beer, and I could do a whole show on I beer. went to a new place that I had never been to last night called Little Machine. Um, it's on, like, 20th and Federal, so right by the stadium. Yeah, I was um, say, that's right by the stadium. Really cool brewery, man. You can tell it was kind of like an industrial sort of building you know, it's getting really common. Have you yeah, that? previously, like it's got that rhino theme to it. The, you know, well, the, I think it, do they do that because it's cheaper, right? Rent. It's cheaper, but it's also um, trendy. Yeah. You know, I guess is the word. Um, that's a design thing that. Well, they want you to see of, the vats. They want you to see yes. the. You know, they want yeah. you to see all the equipment. Yeah, the raw stuff, right? Yeah. Like it's cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you walk into this place, and it's a, it's a complete circle. The bar, it's huge. I mean, it's got to be. I don't know, 100 feet across, maybe 60 feet across. Wow. Yeah. And it's just this big circle right in the middle of the bar that you can sit around. Right. And then they have a the brewery kind of at the back. And then there's this pipe about this big that comes out of the wall and, you know, comes about 10 feet over to the center of the circle where the bartenders are and then comes straight down. And then the tap is in you know, a circle Mm -hmm. in the middle of the circle. It sounds cool. You should take a picture of that. Oh, it's so cool. Um, so yeah, they had, uh, I would say close to 20, 20 to 25 beers on tap. Mm. And, uh, you know, this, this, it's so funny how the trends go in Denver. Cause so right now it's the Saisons, the Sours. Mm. They, so, are great. they are great. Um, but I think you go, that's what you're going to get no matter where you go. So it kind of mm-hmm. gets annoying, but anyway, <laughs> they had, you know, they had all these different fruit beers and such, which I do enjoy, you know, to have like one or two, you know? So I had this thing, it was a, a yam stout. Yam sounds terrible. But... Oh, dude, I I couldn't believe how good it was. It was so friggin' good. I mean, it was like uh, you ever had Sammy Smith's uh, oatmeal stout? Yeah, I've had that. It's really similar to that, but it, like kind of a strong sweetness. I say, it's kind of sweetness. I've been back. having the stouts lately, and I had another one recently that was a. Uh, well, I've 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 actually tasted <laughs> something like that. And it's it's pretty like the maple. I don't know. It's good, you know, but it's unusual. It's unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could never get into a stout. I tried when I lived in uh, Chico because Sierra Nevada Brewery is there. Yeah. And it's a totally boy, different beast. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like like the Bigfoot that they make. It's just. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, they're typically less bubbly. They have, you know, if they are so a tap, heavy. it can be a nitro tap. So they're more. Creamy. I do like those. They're more creamy, creamy. than they are um, bubbly. I guess is the word. Well, you know but... what's weird? You mentioned that, right? So, 
that's like the small bubble, right? The really small, smooth bubble taste. The nitro. Yeah. Yes. And you've got soda that's got the little bit bigger or beer that's got the bigger bubbles taste. And then you've got sparkling water, which has an even bigger bubble. And why can't they make them all the same size? Well, because it's probably not the same company. Well, yeah, but all sodas have relatively the same kind of carbonation or same kind of. Yeah. Uh, that's not true because Coca-Cola's so? Coca yeah. mixture is different than, than say, like um, uh, Burger King's mixture on their fountains right, or Taco but, Bell's mixture. Well, but that's, that has more to do with the individual location and how they, how they configure how much syrup and how much soda water goes right, in. Right. I'm just talking about. Like, talk, but they generally all use the same fountain? soda water. Though. Are we that's, talking about fountain soda or sure. bottled soda? Well, I mean, I, 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 would, I would say more fountain, but. Um, yeah, because they they certainly are not the same thing. Because no, no. But like, I just don't understand why carbonated waters. You know, like if you have if you drink bubbly or you drink Lacroix or something it's like that. It's probably something. That, I mean, the this bubbles is just are much a guess, But it's probably something to do with the the chemical reaction. Because mm. water and see, basically what that's what sparkling water is, right? Is water and CO two. Yeah, I think so that's all I it think. is. So with the with soda, it's a syrup. It's a little more complex. It's more of a water uh, sucrose or glucose or or does it water it down? I don't know. You know, maybe it thins or out wa- the water. Or so it waters you know. it down. That's actually a really good point. It could be any of those things. Yeah. So any just the composition of it. You know, a syrup is really the viscosity of it compared to uh, like right, the viscosity of yeah. water is different. So. Well, it's also funny because like yeah. I remember when I worked at like you know worked at a, in a couple of kitchens and stuff and had to you know fix the. The, the fountain drinks, it is amazing how much, how important getting the combination right is. Like, you know, like when you go to a, like you go to a restaurant, and you order a soda and it's done just right. Like they've got the perfect combination on those yep. things. And it's like the, one of the most tasty things you'll ever drink. And then other places you go to and it's too sweet because it's got, whoops, because it's been, you know, overloaded or it's going to be way too like bland, you know? Yeah. They, it runs out of syrup. Yeah. There's not enough syrup in there. Right. I, I swear to God, I am that. Every time I go through the freaking drive-through, I get a soda that's. It must have been the last soda that was. Oh, and it's every time. I mean, I just can't. I wonder if a lot of these places are tweaking it now <laughs> to use less syrup well, to yeah. make more money. And they're already making. I mean, a, a thing of syrup costs like twenty-five dollars, right, yeah. or whatever it is. Uh, well, it used uh, to be. A, a, a five-gallon bag in a box was oh, like they're, fifty. They're fifty. They're fifty they're now. 50, um, did the event back in 2006 you're running 54 for a, yeah. a bag in the box of coke okay so 50 but 55. i mean you get but think about yeah, how many I mean, drinks you thousand, get well here when we break yeah, it down at the thousand. stadium it was and they charge you two bucks a soda it, it was it was it was six cents worth of syrup per soda god yeah the markup it's ridiculous <laughs> that's why when i when i go to a bar Nick have lunch he'll have a beer all of a soda I'm paying a dollar less for a soda than he is for a beer sometimes. That's what blows me away. You <laughs> see some restaurants now that, that do, you know, the restaurant, uh, the kitchen that I was working at, uh, they have bottled sodas, you know, the Mexican bottled sodas. Yeah. Oh, I do like those. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. Sure. Who doesn't? And it's kind of a cool little novelty. But boy, I mean, you make so much money off fountain soda. Uh-huh. It just kind of blows me away that they would even, like, quality is important. Right. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, who doesn't love a fountain Coke, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Know. It's just like but this is it does it the money thing. This grande yeah. thing right here. I've got like a 22 ounce Santiago's cup here with Diet Pepsi in it with lemon. And the, the I, I must have uh, literally paid like 250 for this, which is cheap yeah, by right. today's standards. But the total cost of the soda with the cup is seven cents. I remember the big gulps. You used to be able to get those things for like sixty-nine cents, thirty-nine cents when I was a kid. Oh wow, we never had that. Sixty-nine was on the lowest. This I is remember. in South Dakota though, so 
true. You grew up in California. <laughs> the backwoods, you know. But uh, yeah, that's just it is it is just frustrating when you see the prices now, yeah. especially if you get like you don't see it a whole lot anymore. But there are still a few places out that you'll go and they'll say no free refills on your soda, yeah. and you're like, oh, are man. you out of your mind? You're charging me two fifteen, and you won't give ridiculous. me a free refill on something that costs you four cents. Really, it's but, ridiculous. Well. Fellas, uh, we got a little off track. There. Yeah, we got to talk a little sports. <laughs> no, I think I think it's fun. You know, I think those are the kinds of things that people enjoy. Yeah, there's, not a, oh, there's, there's not a ton of stuff going on in the sports yeah, world well, right we, now. Yeah, well, we go off the cuff like that. It's fun, but. Uh, do you want to do you want to root for the Hoosiers in the nice two and zero start to the season? So. You know, oh, there you go. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. And uh, I, I already I already filled out my bracket for uh, the finals. You know, <laughs> March Madness. It goes Zion, 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 Zion. That's all I gotta say. Zion from uh, Duke, who's the third best player on that team, and he's a monster at six foot seven, two eighty nine. Duke's four freshmen come outscored the entire Kentucky team. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. That's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I did see a really cool. Yeah, uh, the kid can play. He can play. Really cool video that I saw from Duke, and it was Chuchesky like at the first practice of the year, and it was really kind of cool listening to him, you know, because I'm sure he gives a, a similar speech, right, um, almost all the time. I mean, it is the same sport. But it was just really cool how he basically just kept saying over and over, this needs to be your favorite place to be. They were sitting in the gym. It's like, if this isn't your favorite place to go, you're probably not doing the right thing right now. Because this has to be your favorite who, thing. Who are you? Who's saying this right coach now? K. Mike oh, Coach yeah. K. Yes, got it. And he was just basically saying that uh, the biggest thing was he was saying, you should all be able to hit a standing three, no question, if you're not blocked. So he said, you should be taking enough of those that you have no problem. And he talked about how he got into an argument with Kobe Bryant. And Kobe was like, I'm never uncovered. And he's like, you are playing on the dream team. You've got Michael Jordan and, you know, all these other guys there. He's like, you are going to be open. Yeah. You need to make sure you don't ever miss a three. And, you know, Kobe did you know, talk a lot about how he wanted to play for Coach K because he thought he was so great. Oh, so yeah. just goes to show you that, you know, he obviously has – he has, an, he has an, like an, a next level, I think, intellectual assertion or uh, breakdown of what basketball is. Yeah. And I'll I'll caveat that point real quick because I saw this this morning and I loved it. Um, Since we're this kind of the wide world of sports here, uh, Manute Bolson is playing in college basketball right now. Guess what his name is? Manute? No. Bull, bull. Bull, bull. Bull, bull. He's seven. spelled the same way? Yeah. He's seven foot two, plays for Oregon. The guy is blocking shots, dunking without actually leaving the ground, and shooting threes, <laughs> training threes yeah. at 7-2. I saw some video yesterday of him. Oh, it was remember when absolutely was, insane. Remember when that was incredible to see a tall person that was coordinated enough to yeah. make deep shots, and now it's just, it's just common. This guy's dropping his shoulder. He's doing a he, – oh, my, I'm just like, you got to be – forget about it. What do you consider tall, though? You know, <laughs> like, what is tall now? I would say 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. And above, yeah. But I mean, Kevin Durant you call me is a midget? Six, but in the NBA, <laughs> well, I'm the same size as you. No, I'm just saying in, in the NBA, tall is seven foot. Oh, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, agreed, yeah. agreed. Yeah. I just meant like, but being over six seven and shooting three pointers wasn't common. No, when right. we were kids, and now, no, it wasn't. now it's very common. I mean, point guards are six but seven. Pe- but I'm saying people have gotten bigger, so mm-hmm. those that it, there hasn't been like attrition, you know, like. Uh, I'm trying to explain my point. Uh, so if you, are you working you a back over there? This, what I'm trying, it's a pretty compelling argument. Okay, I so what say. I'm trying to say is when they're shooting, okay, ten, you know, take it 20 years ago when they when guys were more around seven foot, you know, sure. 
And nowadays it's there, you know, there's more guys that are taller than that. Right. So the average has gone up, but the shooting has gone, has stayed the same where the, where, as the height has gone up, does that make sense? It makes yeah, shooting it, yeah. Percentages? It, it, yeah. The shooting percentages are moving away from the basket, and the people are getting taller. Yes. Which looks really yes. bizarre. Does that make sense? Like, you know, if you're looking at a graph, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. So I, I don't think there's really been any change other than people getting taller. Well, because remember, you mean back like in everybody's the, gotten taller. So center yeah. gotten five inches taller, but so have the point guards. Well, think about it. Cause Thank you. Back that's, in the, yes, that's what I was trying to back say. Back in the day, I mean, a seven-foot center would never leave the paint right. or the basket to Correct. even go out even to the foul line. I mean, look at Shaq. He couldn't th- shoot a free throw to save his freaking life. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, though, I remember hearing an analogy about uh, Shaquille O'Neal because of how large he was and how big his hands were. It was like, imagine trying to shoot a free throw. Not only are you almost equal, like, to level, the level of the, of the hoop, right? Like, you're not, you can't even, like, shoot the ball very high because you're shooting more of a line drive almost. Yeah. But you're not even shooting a basketball. For him, like, according to us, it'd be like a, golf a kid's ball. basketball. Yeah. yeah, like a south, like or an a oversized softball. softball. Yeah. yeah. Like, you'd have to be using, like, a men's a Well, men's take softball. a softball over to the basketball yeah. and try see to how many shoot and see how yeah. many you do. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll bet well. you we'd still be better than him because of the fact that we could at least shoot it up, right? Because yeah. we're not that tall. We're, you know, we got to shoot get it up a platform, four feet. Right. And he, but instead, he's shooting it only, like, a half a foot up. And that's, you know, that's got to be tough. Yeah. But like you said, excuse me, it's oh. got to be awesome to uh, to be able to dunk without jumping. Yeah, all I'm saying is the average, so the average guy maybe is six 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 seven now that are making threes, you know. Back then, it was more guys that were six three six four. Sure, but so it's the same thing because it's evolved. Does, does that make is, sense? But it is kind of wild when you think about the fact that it used to be if a guy was really tall, like you know, close to seven foot, he wasn't that coordinated often. Right. Yeah. You know, and now that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. So something is changing. It's probably just like you said, probably just evolutionary. Evolutionary, yeah, the training, the footwork, the, all these AAU camps that they're going to, the drills. Yeah, age, the, sure. when they're when they're when they're, you start practicing that footwork from a, such a young age, where like Manuel Bull, I mean, where did he ever practice footwork at? He I mean, did. honestly, you gotta. You <laughs> I don't gotta know. Gotta consider, good footwork, <laughs> is there a gene for that? Honestly, like uh, probably. Like, does that evolve? You know, over time, is there? You know, after Manute Bowl and, you know, some woman that's maybe six foot five get married and they have kids and then one of their kids get, grows up, Bowl Bowl becomes seven two. <laughs> sure. He marries a six foot four woman, you know, and they start having kids and playing basketball. I mean, if that happens for 10 or 12 generations or 20 generations, does that matter? Does that are you uh, are you setting up a master uh, sports race here or something? Yeah, there, Nate? Is, is that so. what's going on in your head? Hey, like Daniel Tosh says, <laughs> we deserve the greatest entertainment that sports can give us so give those guys all the peds they want uh just give us the best games we can watch yeah. right I mean, yeah. can you imagine wow i mean i guess we did see it for a period of time we, we did. did and it was yeah. exciting it was there was downsides to it as well but, there was uh, but at least all-star games were was exciting, baseball finally. as popular as it ever was yes. at that time yeah. oh, baseball was, yes oof. there was nothing more exciting than that season when this well to me nothing was more exciting than 1998 that was when sosa, sosa and McGuire. Yeah, sosa but it was McGuire. also they broke the doubles record i think that was yep. either uh was it Bernie Williams or it was Larry Walker or something? And then there was there was, there was a whole bunch of records that fell that year that didn't get any yeah. press because of the two big home run record beaters. You know what's really interesting to me? Okay, the home run was such a big deal. You know, people nobody ever really had hit, hit much over sixty other than Ruth and Maris, and mm-hmm. then these guys kind of went on this run. The thing that blows me away is the RBI number. 
that guy was it Hack Wilson had like a hundred and ninety. Yeah. Now, now people people have been close. Like I know at the halfway point, there's been people that have had around Julio 100. Franco. Remember that? Yes. And he was at like a hundred and seventeen or no? Was it Julio? Fr- yeah, I think it was Julio I think Franco. It was Julio Franco. Man, that guy was a beast, man. He was. What happened you to talk him? About DHs. He was one of <laughs> yeah. the better. He was player. He hitters. was just a specimen, though. You know, oh. certain people you just look at and you're just like, oh my god, dude. It was like, I'll bet you never even work out. I'll bet you just have just an na- unbelievable natural. Earlier disease. in his career, he became kind of chunky at the end. Well, but... don't we all? Yeah. You know, you know, we're we're all we're we're all fit as a fiddle, right? So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got an eight pack of abs sitting right here. Well, I have a I have a wonderful six pack. It's just that I have the carton on top and then a keg on top of that. Yeah, so exactly. Once I remove those, you'll see the, you'll see a stunning six pack. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. <laughs> well, if we're gonna talk about MLB awards, let's just kind of do it on the top of our heads. Maybe, and I may not be real good at this because I I was not watching a lot of baseball games this summer. I do know that for the NL uh, MVP. The, the talk has been predominantly about Christian Yelich. I think that you were probably right when – actually, because at first I was going to say Ar- Ar- Arenado, but I think you might have been right about Story. That was kind of a, a – the, 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 the second half, he turned into a, an amazing ball player. Um, and defensively. Yeah. Was he good defensively yes. before? I think he was good before, though. He was, but yeah. I'm just saying. He but and, that was part of his game. Yes, yeah. where a lot of guys don't have that. Yeah. You know, Yelich is a good outfielder, but he's an outfielder. Right. So to right. me, it takes more skill to play infield. But I think they were saying that he was more important to his team than Story was. Like there was more players that contributed on his team than yeah. on the Brewers. And I think Arenado is. There could be a guy on your own team that was more. You know. Sure. We saw that with Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds. Absolutely. So, but I just think the other thing that I thought was is tough is fucking uh, Kyle Freeland. I feel like he kind of got snubbed. Oh, he got snubbed. You know, because he's in Colorado, of course. Right, and he's you never going to get the wins. The press is famous for that, right? They're always going to bag on us for our offensive numbers because yep. everybody gets to hit at Coors Field. But then the, <laughs> the reverse happens if, you know, if a guy has a, a good year pitching, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's a flash in the pan or – I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Very, so, very frustrating. Yeah, he was incredible. And I think he's going to go really early next year in fantasy drafts. So that's interesting. I, like, that's nice that you brought that up. Javier Baez. He slowed down quite a bit in the second half. Yeah. Quite a bit. But oh, yeah. boy, he had a monster first half. And did you hear the rumor that uh, Chris Bryant is on the trading block? Well, I think there was a clarification this morning on that. Well, yeah, because the story got out. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to make it sound like, oh, we were just, we had gotten offered an amazing deal and we're looking into it, you know, like, yeah. you know, because the Cubs know that you, you you tick off the personality and then, well, you know, the prima donna is I think good. It's, the Cubs need pitching. They do. And that's, the only way they're going to get it is either pay big money in free agency or, you know, make a trade with one of your quality but players. But what is the so. good, what is the good the free agency deal do when you sign someone like you uh, Darvish and they end up being an absolute. We'll, we'll complete, see. You know? I, this year could be a big one for you. Well, well I'm sure he will because I won't draft him again in fantasy. Well, nobody so he'll have will. a huge year. Nobody will. Well, somebody will. Oh, geez, somebody I will mean, draft him in like the 12th round and I, he'll, he'll yeah. end up going 25 and three and, you know, I don't know about that. 385 <laughs> strikeouts. I and, do think he's a 15 win and a 250 uh, 250 strikeout guy when he's at his peak. When he's when he's playing well and he's yeah. healthy, I would agree. He hasn't been healthy for 
Three years. What, three one, years. One year of his it's career, maybe. Yeah, it's it's been yeah. a long time. Yeah. yeah, I can only think of one year of his career that he wasn't unhealthy. Did, did yeah. you guys he used to draft him all the time, and he was every year he'd go down halfway through. Yep. Did you guys hear? The, I did uh, have him the one good year. Though. The contract that Bryce <laughs> pr- uh, passed up on with the uh, Nationals. Ten three, years, three hundred million. Yeah. Supposedly. I would have too. I would have passed. Are you kidding me? The Yankees will give me. What Yankees will give me more than that? They're, will they? I, I hear. Yeah. I hear rumors all around right now that the Phillies are his front runner. I am just wow. To, I, I, well, I'm you not, not that impressed with him, to be honest with you guys. Like, yeah, sure, he's a good hitter, but what did he bat this year, 250? He, he goes into really big slumps, and he, he tries to figure out his swing too much. Like, Tiger, yes. when his back hurt, like, he started but changing his swing. I, the, guy I didn't, say, the guy barely hit 250 this year. Yeah. Right. Now, I, I think that he is – he's a definite prima donna. So, if oh, you yeah. sign him, you have to have – you make sure you have the right kind of manager, mm. and you have to he, – he's like Yasiel Puig. You're going to have to keep him happy and engaged. And the Dodgers did a great job with that. They did. They, they really did. did. And Dave Roberts is now uh, a big they're, part of they're that. signing an extended contract with Dave Roberts. As they, they should. Be. They, they, they are. They are. Yeah. They're in talks right now to when extend I heard, it. When I heard people talking about that they should fire him, no, no, I was no, like, no. if you think that, yeah, he you made know some mistakes, nothing about baseball. Boy, he, nothing. No. He's a good manager. He, he is. And they're, they're looking for a long-term extended contract. They're doing negotiations right now. I saw that come across yeah. the ticker yesterday morning. I'm, Thrilled to hear it because yeah. you know what? After seeing what Mattingly did as a incompetent manager, I could not be more thrilled to have a manager who did right things. And sure, he made a couple of bad calls, but you know what? The calls that he made, he made the same ones in the regular season, and they were working. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's nope. just your pitchers just aren't on. And Kenley Jansen screwed him over twice. This is your best pitch pitcher supposedly. This is your closer among your closers. This is the best closer outside of Kimbrell at home run three years, twice, twice gave up the lead. Yeah. And you know that what are you, you going to do? I mean, if you can't trust your closer, who are you going to trust? And it's not. And again, it's not just like some standard, you know, run of the mill closer who's like oh, exactly. by committee. This is a guy who's been one of the best closers best in closers baseball around. for three years. Mark, I think that really flew under the radar as it well, did, didn't it? Like yeah. didn't, nobody, nobody talked really, about it. No one really said much about it. Yeah. yeah. In the play, I mean, he blew two saves. He really did. And, and how and how little did did uh, pundits talk about the errors the Dodgers made in the field? They yeah. did make some great stunning yeah. defensive plays, yeah. but they made more errors in the World Series than they had made the yeah. entire rest of the defense, playoffs. They, they really, they, they did. Defense always gets overlooked. You know, I feel like because it's not sexy. Well, and, and it, there's no numbers it, for it. Can it right? be, but... Especially they were playing the Red Sox in that unbelievable lineup. Yeah. So it's it's mm-hmm. going to get overlooked a little. It's bit. It's like softball, right? Yeah. You give an extra out to that team, you're in trouble. Yeah. You cannot give them four outs in an inning, and they did that a lot. They also walked them a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know the funny thing is that was kind of the Dodgers' calling card was they were so patient that they you know Cody Bellinger and uh, Max Muncie and uh, Chris Taylor and uh, who's their leadoff guy? Um, uh, Taylor. Chris Taylor? I didn't think Taylor let off. Seeger was hurt. Um, uh, anyway, Jones? A, a lot of them, a lot of them would take pitches. Yeah, you know, uh, maybe even Jock Peterson. I think yeah, Jock that's Peterson what it was. was leading it, off. It, it was, which is weird because he's like a power hitter and a low average hitter, but he's a very you high on base that, percentage. You see hitter. that a lot more often now. Because you want to get the run. Yeah, I mean, where did uh, Judge bat it in the two hole almost mm-hmm. all year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Or at least the first half. I think the thought process is you're going to get more at bats the higher you are in the lineup, so let's get you every at-bat possible. Well, because, yeah, and that's because of the home run now, right? Because it's such a more, you know, somebody goes up there can change, you know, the score of the game with one swing like that. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's so much more, yeah, you want the guy to get more at-bats, right? Can you even think of a dominating team that didn't play that, what doesn't play for the home run? Maybe the A's? But they still but play not, for a lot of home but runs. But they're not dominating. 
Well, they they, they had a damn good record. They had a, they had a good, yeah. good year. Dom, there's dominate. a difference between dominating and right. having okay. a good year, right? Yeah. But Houston, they've got lots of power. They Dodgers do. have tons of power. Yankees have tons of power. Uh, in fact, the most home run hitters. All the well, games. It, it's had, the Red yeah. Sox. It'll be interesting Brewers. because. Yeah. Maybe the Braves? Uh, the Brewers, they didn't have a ton of power. No, they didn't. So that would the, be the, one team. The Braves kind of didn't. Yeah. But then were either they those had some teams. poppy bats, though. Yeah, but they had a couple. I mean, guys. they got Freeman and they got Acuna, but who else hits home runs for them? Yeah, I guess those two are really the only. Mm-hmm. I mean, Albies had a few, right? Didn't he? Oh, I'm, yeah. He had like 25, I don't know how many. Twenty twenty-five, yeah. probably. And then, I mean, who's their shortstop? Is it that's who? That's, that's Albies. I thought he played second. Okay. Uh, um, oh wait, maybe he is second. You're right. And it was uh, the other kid that didn't play well. It was Hyatt Swansby. Swansby. Da- Carlos Dan. Danny. Swansby? No. Dansby? Swansby? Swansby? Dansby? Dansby? Swansby? I don't know. It's one of those. Um, so, uh, what do you think? Uh, who, who, do you have a, a decision on uh, on well, MVP? Let's, let's go through them. So, yeah. okay, we got AL MVP. The, the nominees are Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and Jose Ramirez. Betts. That's my. That's who I would pick. I out mean, of it's that. hard to argue that because of he's on the fucking World Series champion, right? <laughs> and you take him off that team, mm, they still have some really good hitters. So that's one thing for me. Right. I I think you got to give it to Jose Ramirez just because the guy had an incredible year. He did. I mean, not that Mookie hard. didn't, it's but he was. Yeah, and then I mean Trout was incredible too. So. But his numbers aren't in line with the other two. Because no, I got were... Trout in my fantasy league, and he always seemed to have, be up and down this year. Well, I mean, the thing is, Trout is a phenomenal ball player. And because he's been phenomenal every year of his career, that, you know, he kind of doesn't get the probably the press he deserves. Especially but, playing on the West Coast, too. Yeah. I think Mookie gets it because Mookie finally fulfilled his promise. He right. looked great for years. And there was all, you know, I mean, I've always wanted to get a top draft pick in our fantasy league so I could take him. And... I finally get one and I didn't take him. And then he, and he has the year that I've been waiting for him to have <laughs> for the last like five years. Um, and Arenado, thanks for uh, having a good year, but only after I, I, I was already that, out of it. My new term for that is the fantasy finger. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, why do all you of, got the why, do, why do so many ball players give me the fantasy finger? I don't know. I guess I should be you happy to get it all the time. I think. Yeah, I do. But you know, but in foot, but in football, I don't. In yeah. football, I rarely have that problem. So it's really weird why I don't have that problem in football, but I always have that problem in baseball. But this is why I want to do a dynasty league in baseball so bad. That because be fun. I think that way I could start not worrying about if the guys going to be good this year, and I right. know they're going to be great one well, year and take them, and then I could have Tim, just a stockpile. Timmy of great Tebow players. earned a Triple A spot. It looks like this year. All right, Marcus, we've been doing we've been doing fantasy baseball together for a long time. I'm gonna just give you a little hint. Uh oh, wisdom by Nate. Well, not that that not that my two two title games in the last four years. Not that my team is you know I've never won a championship, but I did go to the playoffs like seven eight years in a row, and yeah, I've been in the championship two of the four last years. I know you always have a plan going in to the draft, and I know you always pretty you you know you stick to it pretty well. But I think you might want to take a look at your plan. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, my plans change every year. So, I mean, yeah. what, what do I do to change it again? I, I don't right? know. But I, I think one tactic would be to go back and look at the, the top 25 players points-wise in our league over the last three years and mm-hmm. see who they are. And this Absolutely. segment was Reflections by Nate, brought to you by <laughs> Chicken Pot Pie. Well, what's really weird <laughs> is that most seasons – 
of the last like five or six years since I had a really good year, um, I just got disasters in my top four picks. I mean, it was almost repeatedly every year my top four picks would be just disasters. Maybe one of them would produce. The other ones would be just absolute disasters. This year, my top four players couldn't have been better. There's only one team in the league that had a better top four picks than me, but I was a disaster afterwards. So I just got to put those two things together one year, and then I can be good. In talking with my buddy Brian, and fantasy guru, who does (laughs) very well in fantasy sports. Yes, he does. Ciao, Bats. I think I've figured out a couple secrets, and I, and I and that's just recently, like within the last month or two. So <laughs> I'm gonna try to imply them or implore them over the next few years. Um, you know, I think one secret is you know looking at your league and how the scores work. You know, like if you're in a six point passing touchdown league, you got to have a good quarterback. That is important. You know, that is super important because that is a huge advantage. If you got a guy that's throwing three touchdowns every single weekend, that's 18 points just on that, not counting his yardage. You know, so, I mean, that's a 20-point player every week, every single week. If you have something like that to bank on, that to me is really solid, you know, when you're looking at it. Um, you know, if you're in a PPR league and you're starting two receivers in a flex that's probably going to be three receivers. So think about how your lineup is weighted. Three receivers out of 10 starting spots, you know, 30% of your lineup comes from receiver. So you see Brian Anderson draft his teams. He always goes heavy on receiver, always. And never mm-hmm. look, And he feels like, you know, the drop-off at running back he it's calculated with him, you know, like he thinks, okay, if I get one decent running back that can perform like a two and then somewhere down the line, be super diligent and stay on the waiver wire, work my position up. I'm going to be able to get another number two, you know, down the road somewhere, whether it's through waivers, you know, or free agency or whatever. And then stocking up at that receiver position, you know, cause if you've got a guy that's making five, you look at Adam Thielen, you have him. Yeah. The guy catches six balls every week, a hundred yards every week and a touchdown. Not I mean, look at that. That was the only week this season. <laughs> no, but you're talking about almost 20 points with no touchdowns. Right. No, no, no. So you have 110 yards. Kirk Cousins got the, me six points. But look game. at the percentages. Look yeah, at look the at percentages. the percentages. And the once in a while thing. I know. Yeah, you're right. You're playing, and I think Anderson is very good at probability. And so I think what he says is when it comes to receivers, most of the time, I mean, the top, top, top running back, chances of getting a miss on a running back, no matter how good, are much higher yes. than oh, on yeah. a receiver. Yes. Also, you're going to have a less boom and bust, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you have Tom, Todd Gurley, who has been – I've had him for two years in a row, and just, <laughs> guys, unbelievable. Um, yeah, he's unbeatable. But that's, that's rare, right? That's a Tomlinson type thing. I think the idea is if I have three really solid receivers, I'm going to get 30 catches a week. There's 30 points. Yeah. I'm going to get close to, I'm going to get at least 250 yards out of those guys. That's another 25 points. Right. So now you're, you know, and you know, I mean, there's, there's also the touchdowns involved, right? Cause he took, he took Julio Jones this year. Julio has not scored, but one touchdown and Anderson doesn't have a very good record. So there you go. That, I mean, that's what happens. It can can blow up on you. On the flip side, look at base. We start three outfielders in baseball plus a DH and a utility who are oftentimes, outfielders mm-hmm. so look sure. at look at how brian drafts he always takes strong outfielders always yep. he's always got at least three guys that can really hit 
in the outfield. You're starting five guys out of, was it 12 on offense or 13 on offense in your fantasy league? That's almost half your lineup. So and you've got to the have the most common steal RBI and home run players are outfielders. Yes. And then I think you also look at other little things like this. And I don't think Brian may like this was more kind of my style, which I think I've had success with is where you have a situation. Okay. Let's say a catcher, you've got three guys really that are top tier. And then after that, it's just a huge fall off, you know? So I, you know, a lot of people and most of the experts, I feel like will tell you wait for somebody later. You know, because there is, you know, so many guys that have like the same type of talent way down the line at catcher, right? Mm -hmm. But if you get that transcendent guy at that position, what an advantage you have over everybody else. You know, if you have a catcher that's scoring 18 points every week and somebody else's is scoring five, that's a huge advantage. Unless you took that catcher to get 18 points a week. And I took the that's, outfielder at that pick, and I'm getting 26 true. points it does, a week. You're right. It does matter where the, where the draft happens. But I'm just saying, if you have an opportunity to do something like that, you've got to take it. But I will say this. I don't think anybody else could draft the way Chavez drafts because there's two things that I've noticed. Because I tried to kind of follow his model, and there's, the first thing I realized about him was position scarcity means nothing to Brian. Never. I've never seen him even care about yeah. position scarcity. I agree. Doesn't even look at it. It doesn't. Second, yeah. he thinks that he can get one good pitcher and stream the rest, mm-hmm. and he also thinks that he can stream catcher, second base, and based shortstop. on matchups. Yes, and that's and what he does. he does. And he does it very astutely. I agree. I am not good at doing that through the waiver wire. I'm not good at finding a player every week that does that. I also am not nearly as good at spotting players that just happen to have a sudden good year the way that he does. Like for instance. Brian Anderson that he took from the Marlins. No, not, not on anybody's radar, right? He was going to get drafted. Right. Anderson takes him. Guy was amazing. Yep. Guy was scoring 30 points a week. Half but the time. he takes calculated risks, you know, and I think uh, what I'm saying is they, they, tend they to, pay they, off. That, his right. Hit. They do. They do tend to pay off. It's like if you play the stock market, yeah. you can make 30, you know, crazy or not crazy, but, you know, calculated purchases and I, screw them all, or you can hit two of them and become a billionaire. I, I mean, agree, just, and I, I do want to take some credit. I think Brian takes some of my strategy from the years past where, you know, when you have a, a line, a team, you've already kind of drafted your starters, and I started, you know, I would take a guy that was, you know, maybe two or three years ago he had a great year, but everybody's kind of down on him, you know, and you pick him up, and I've had a lot of success with, or an injury-prone type player that may only, you know, on average plays 75, but he's a good 75 when he plays, you know, I don't know. I get, I tend to get lucky with that. You know, if you take a risk and get, you grab a guy that's more injury prone and then he just happens to have one of those years where he's healthy and does well, you know, Brian seems to have luck doing that too with guys. So I think, you know, the calculator risks got to come with, you know, some caveats obviously, but, um, Looking at where your draft position is is important, but I don't know. Those are just some things I've picked up on over the last few years, you know, that I think are really important when you are, you know, just people don't really look at their fantasy scoring, you know, like they look at that was obvious in our fan in our dynasty league. Yeah, people they're weren't paying as much attention. They're to more looking at the the player and the team the players on, and like and those are important things, 
you know, but I think that's something that gets overlooked. So, well, and it's weird because that's like my I say, fantasy I do, rant. <laughs> I do really well in fantasy football. In fact, the league that I'm crushing right now at eight and one, I was in the title game last year, would have won if I didn't sit Blake Bortles for foals, which was a disastrous GM move on my part and my fault, but I still got second place. I won that league two years before, and I had the most points scored, but got knocked out in the first round in the middle of those years. So I'm on a really good streak in that thing. But here's what I also have in that league. I have had a top three pick all of those years. And I, in baseball, I don't think it's nearly as big a deal because of how big your roster is. Yeah. But in football, I'm sorry. If you are a top three or top four pick, you have a distinct advantage. And I know that we've all – I mean, I won my first title in Fanatics having the 10th pick right? Have the wraparound pick. I mean, you can do it from other spots, but if you have that top position, the fact that you're going to get a no doubter in your first three, oh, well, it should be a no doubter, right? I mean, it doesn't mean it should be produce. an advantage, yes. but then you're going to get your second and your third are going, yeah, your second pick is going to be less than the guys in the latter head of half of the draft. But the fact is you're going to get a top three players than everybody else. And it really when you only are starting yeah because it's that top shelf talent right that's where it kind of tends to drop off is at that 20 to 25 mark and i did take a hint from chavez again because he's good in all of the leagues right all fantasy sports and that was that he said that he noticed that he didn't if he made the playoffs but he didn't have an explosive player you never seem to make it through. Right, you do have to have that one transcendent guy. You're that is so true. And that's what I look for now. I look for like guys Jose, that I like a Jose Ramirez. You know, I mean, well, but how has that guy not gone in the first round the last two years? Well, that won't be a problem anymore. That's um, for sure. But like, for for example, I mean, my first pick was Todd Gurley, right? He's amazing. Yeah. I got Jordan Howard, who has not been very good, but then I got Diggs, who's been amazing, mm-hmm. and I got uh, Juju Schuster, and I got Brandon Cooks. And then I also got Andrew Luck. Dang, that's quite so, a team. So, I mean, I I'm often have three 30-point scorers on my team. Now, does that mean I'll win anything? No, because the first round of the playoffs, I might get one of those shit weeks where three of your players just don't show up to play just for whatever reason, like like you had last week with your Vikings players, and then you're going to lose. Well, that's this week. With, well, yeah, they just didn't show up to play last week, and they're all on the bye this week. And <clears throat> I purpose- basically the same thing as a bye last week. Yeah. So it's well, <laughs> yeah. Kamara, which is weird with how many points they scored. Kamara had a huge game. Yeah, Kamara right? kept me in at anywhere close to you, yeah. <laughs> which I wasn't close to you. <laughs> no, no, I, I had a really good. In fact, yeah, you had a great. That that team is coming around to who I thought they were when I drafted them. And. And they I are hope, who we thought they, they were. But, that, but I'm worried about Le'Veon Bell coming back and losing James Conner. That hurts. Well, see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the. I, I have Kamara, then I have Lamar Miller, but with uh, Carlos Hyde getting traded to Jacksonville, that yeah. scared me. That, so I'm, yeah, I'm, that like, I'm like, I'm like, I got Garrett Blunt and I, I, Carlos. I, I have no running backs now, almost. Well, but I have great receivers. See, I got really lucky in terms of I, I drafted my team. It was really weak at running back. But then I got James Conner, right? And Le'Veon, you know, with his yeah. unbelievably stupid career move, has gotten me all those points. Then I also and he's got he's got to show up Tuesday, otherwise he's not playing. That's that's what it is. If he doesn't you think show he's showing up, everybody thought he was showing up last week because he showed well, up when he arrived in Pittsburgh, but he didn't do anything. It's one of those things where do you want to make five million and risk it, or well, you, you heard the, the caveat, right? So they're saying that the new contract between the NFL and the players' union is going to change over this offseason, and the rule is going to change that you no longer uh, have to – you can be you can only be a third – or you automatically, automatically become a free agent after a third franchise year or something like some, – some, kind of some kind of a change in the franchise tagging thing. Right. And I think it has to do with Kirk Cousins. And mm-hmm. it makes it so like his, his options right. became much more wide open. 
But I'm just thinking, you, dude, you have now spent an, I, I, I'm, yes, you had your own trainer and you were doing this, you were doing that. I don't care, man. When you see somebody miss an entire year of football, yeah. they don't tend to do very well. And you go, oh, what about the guys that get hurt for a whole year? They stay in the training facility. They're there with the team the whole time. Right. You are away from the team. It's not just your talent or your workouts. You don't know the plan. You don't know the game plan. You don't know the game structure. You don't know your. You don't know the timing of your other players. I well, mean, think, your opponent. think about the team chemistry they have right now. The team chemistry they have right now. I would not want to mess with that. No, uh, you're talking about Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, Le'Veon. I don't know how he's going to be welcomed back. He's not going to be. Like, that's the problem. There's not some bad blood has been brewing. A lot yeah, of it has been brewing. Yeah. I mean, I imagine mean, that line I, just lets the guy through to just. I don't know. Well, the line, line came out and said it. Tomlin came and said he, he's like, I want volunteers, not hostages. And when Tomlin said that about well, seven days ago, ten days ago, it was like, oh boy. <laughs> well, I mean, how much does it have to be weighing on Le'Veon? Watching not only James Conner have a fantastic statistical year. Oh, he's ruining him look, on, too, by which, his tweets. Yeah. Well, it makes it look like Le'Veon, while obviously talented, isn't the reason he got, gets all those yards. Exactly. Because Conner's getting them. Yeah. You know? Yep. Now, that's, I don't want to discount if Conner may be a fantastic athlete and, and player as well. I don't want to discount what he's doing. But I think it means that the, the system matters. The system does. Yes. I mean, if you look at the – th- we're, we're not on the Thursday night game yet, but when we get to the Thursday night game, you know, you, we're going to look at Ben's numbers and how many different touchdowns he threw and this and that. But it's not just the number. Two things for me stick out with Pittsburgh. One is offensive line play. Yeah. They, they have one of the best offensive And the defense lines. is now playing. Oh, boy. That, that offensive line is just ripping holes. Um, and then the other thing is they can passing the heck out of the ball. They so are. if you're if you're passing well, that opens up the running game. So, Fifty-two points and James Conner only had thirteen. Yeah, because yeah. they didn't run the ball so at it was all. Just all passing. And <laughs> well, and Roethlisberger was the same thing. Roethlisberger was just on fire. You think this is his last year? This is swan song, or does he come back again? I think it depends on how they finish. Yeah, yeah. You but know? that that hit that he took when he was sliding, the guy just yeah. You know, ejected, I don't think it was, was that dumb. bad. Was it, a, it wasn't. Was it wasn't. I don't think. Though. See, well, here, here's the, the thing. They need to be able to go. Well, actually, they can. I didn't realize this, but they brought this up. You can go to the replay like college and look at that again. They didn't choose to because you can actually say, you yeah. know, all right, we shouldn't kick them out or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't think ejection might. I don't know, man. Maybe it was the right move. You, you watch the play. The guy is certainly targeting him. He is, but I he mean, didn't really hit him. Now, how much does this no, have to do with Reed? And you could see he leads with his helmet, but then when the hit comes, he turns to the side with his shoulder. Think about this, though. Too, Reed, so. Reed is, is um, um, Kaepernick's, buddy. Kaepernick's, Kaepernick's little boy toy. And he, <laughs> he just came back into the league. You know, Carolina just picked him up, and he's already started trying to got the Players Association to sit a and how, how, did they kick him out because they just wanted to make a point that he's not welcome? He's an attention seeker, obviously. That was just a dumb play. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm sorry. If you see a play, I mean. You if, know if, the if, guy if, is going to slide. Right. Yeah. Quarterback. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and I have seen some plays, especially after that play, actually. You saw Carolina like twice I saw. And I understand why they're getting a little frustrated because I saw players that were about to hit a guy and then they just suddenly just like jumped the other direction because they're like, hey, whoa, no, I didn't hit him, you know. I don't want to get called for a penalty. And I do think the penalties are too strict right now. But you know what you do? You do this for two or three years. 
and it changes the way people play in terms of what what their goals are instead yeah. of their goal being hidden hitting them hard it's just taking too, them though. down but i'm just saying if you can change that culture a little bit then you can back off on the rules and calling the penalties because it will become rare yeah, I, and players will, will be like cuz players let's let's be honest they were trained to play this way yeah, they were absolutely. trained to hurt. They were trained, yes. not hurt, but they were trained to to knock a guy hey, out of the game. Football I, is a collision sport. My coach always told me, if you you got to hit the guy harder, or you'll, you're going to be the one that feels it. Yep. You yep. know, yep. you have to hit the guy harder than he hits you. Yeah. Hundred percent. And that's what I always when I played football. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah. I tried to crush people. I mean, every I went all out. You well, know? Like, wasn't that half of the fun of playing football? Yeah. Was, oh I mean, come on! I mean, I mean, when you play with your buddies out on the field, the football field, but you weren't like playing like not not like the school or whatever, but you were just playing like pickup, yeah. ball, you know, football. Was there nothing more fun than like grabbing your buddy and just tearing him to the ground? Oh, I one, mean, one of my favorite drills was you get on your back, you lay on your back, helmet to helmet, blow the whistle, get up, and whoever goes on their back first, you know, loses. Yep. <laughs> you're designed to run through the guy. Yep. And that was one of my favorite drills. Yeah, it was great. I love that drill as well. Um, yeah. So, do you guys want to do trivia? Follow. Yeah, we got to do trivia. trivia. Why don't we just uh, we real probably quick, finish the baseball well, awards? Well, let's just uh, <laughs> let's just it's oh, Yellick, yeah. it's Yellick, and uh, let's just do that just, major just, just, award. Just give our just give our votes for all of the yeah, big blow ones. through them. So NL, quick. so AL MVP. You said bets. I say bets. You say Ramirez. Ramirez. Yeah. NL MVP. Baez, Arenado, <laughs> Yellick. Yelich, Baez, and who's the third one? Arenado. Arenado, oh, Terra Story. Um, yeah, I can hit him horn. Who else could you put in there? That's most of it. I mean, I think it's Yelich pretty much runs away with that one. I, I, I do yeah. too. I, I mean, he just, he just changed their culture and yeah. and, and everything. Yeah. Hey, about- Young, Kluber, Verlander, Snell. I think Snell. That's not a bad pick. I really do. It was an unusual season for him, but boy, he was good. Yeah, he was. I I think on I would a bad team. Too. I'd probably go Verlander. I, I think I'd have to go Verlander too, okay. just because of that. I'm not going to say a resurgence, but the dominance. Yeah, that he, he was with. so good. Man. Well, I think that there's going to be enough of a split in the first place votes. Yeah, I think he'll all, he'll be in everybody's top two because he had a really amazing year. I mean, I had yeah. a fan oh, of him. he was amazing. I would. Yeah, I can't yeah. argue if no. he wins. I'm just saying I think Snell will win, but I, yeah. I think Snell probably deserves it more. He but I just, does. I just think the cumulative points are going to go to Berlin. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's why I'm taking Berlin. Okay, so the so. NLSI, uh, DeGrom, Scherzer, Nola. Um, I, I think here. DeGrom takes it. See, I was, gonna, I, I, was, I was thinking Nola for a long time. Right. But I do think that that just epic ERA needs to be rewarded on such a bad team. Yep. So I hope yeah. DeGrom and gets that's, it. That's the thing. It was such a bad team, and they had no run output when he was pitching games. <laughs> and I, I know I know that Scherzer had a fine fan uh, another great year. Yeah. But I, I don't know, the, man. That that and I know that Cy Young is not nearly as dependent on how good your team is. Yeah, Scherzer was phenomenal as yeah. always. But I guess That's a tough one. I, I think that's just that part of me that doesn't like to see people who have been dominating get to keep dominating. Right, right. Get to keep dominating. That'll be an interesting to, to see who actually wins that one in my cause, <laughs> sure. cause like you said, the Grom got no support from the Mets at all in scoring and, runs when and, he pitched. And baseball writers tend to not like to just flood a certain same guy with awards. Yeah. As you see with Trout, as you saw with Barry Bonds. I mean, they, you know, and obviously Barry Bonds and Clemens each got like seven, you know, MVP or Cy Youngs. Yeah. But they were spread out over a long time. You know? Okay. Let's go to the rookie of the year in the AL, Otani, Andrew, and, and <laughs> Miguel, and you are, uh, Torres of the Yankees. 
So I think Otani should win it. I agree with you. But it's going to be Andahar. Yeah. I, I think Otani should win it just because of the year. Yep. Kind of going both ways, pitching and hitting, yep. which we have really not seen. And then It's in only the been major twice league. ever where guys yeah. struck out 50 people and hit 15 home runs I, in the same season. Mark, Him yeah, and Ruth. <laughs> I think I would go with Otani. I don't think Andujar or Torres were that impressive. Yeah, I think it's just. It's I a, think Andujar is going to win. Pretty sure. Okay, let's go to the NL. I didn't put money on it. Bueller, Acuna, Soto. It has to be Acuna, right? I mean, the guy was amazing. Boy, I I, I agree. Soto was good. Boy, Soto was gotta, really good. You do got to consider. I think Bueller was fantastic. That's going to be an interesting vote because you got three fantastic rookies. I right think there. had he not got hurt. He probably would have won it, but I got to give it to him. And it's crazy. I didn't even realize because it, 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 you wouldn't think that Bueller was eligible because he did pitch in the in the majors before, but I guess it was just all such brief cups of, co- cups of coffee. Yeah, it, it, didn't, the it didn't count. Yeah, the innings limit. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, I love Bueller. I mean, it was amazing for the Dodgers, but I just think Okuna has the, has the, has the, Acuna has the, what's the, the word? The it factor? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just the, 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 what gets players excited kind of mm-hmm. guy. Okay, so manager of the year in the AL. Uh, Melvin, Boy, Cash of Tampa, Cora for I Boston. I give it to whoever the A's manager was. Yeah, I'd give it to Cora. Just uh, Melvin was, was the A's. Great, sure. Melvin was the A's manager. So I'd give it to Melvin. Yeah. But, I'd, but I, I would have no problem with Cora again. Yeah. He I, did a fantastic. I, Melvin or Cora, I, I don't think you could go wrong either way. Yeah. I think they're both. And who was the third? Uh, it was uh, Kevin Cash of Tampa. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! He, Tampa had a nice he did comeback. Yeah, well, he yeah. almost made the playoffs. And yeah, he, and he was kind of savvy doing some different things. This he he year. did do some different you know, things. Where they started relievers and mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I think I think Cora will get it because of how much his players love playing for him. Yeah, I I was, agree with you on that. One, and but, because of their success. Yeah, sure, of yeah. course. I mean, obviously, yeah, great year. I mean, yeah. amazing year. Yeah. Most wins in team history. Win the World Series. Yeah. But I just got a lot of I got a lot of the They're impression good. from people that the players just loved playing. They were like, this guy is so, you know, like forthright with us and honest with us. And, you know, is is all about, you know, the, the success that they all just loved playing for him and doing yes. what he wanted. So I think he'll get it. All right. Round him out. What do we got left? Uh, the NL manager of the year, uh, Snedeker from Atlanta council, Milwaukee, but black Colorado. I think you got to give it to council. How do you not? Yeah, I agree. Yep. Although that, the the, the Atlanta year. manager had quite a year too, he so, did, he yeah. did, he yeah. did. And, but I, I, and, they had, and they had more adversity. I think. Yeah, they 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 did. But I I, I got to go with Council. Yep. I, they, that team. I mean, there's there's no reason that team should have even been in the playoffs. Yeah. So yep. yeah, got to get got to give credit where credit's agreed. due. Agreed. Yep. All right. So let's go with those uh, trivia questions. Yeah. All right. Let's trivia questions. I'll bring <laughs> up the uh, chocolate covered bacon. Oh. Up here. Okay. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll start with. The one we did first, which was which player has appeared in the most World Series games? World Series. I'm almost certain I know the the answer, so go okay, ahead. Okay, yeah, you guess. Mm, I want to say Derek Bacon. Jeter for some reason. It's a really good guess. I, I mean, that's, that's it has, a really good guess. I, and you're on the right track. I, I think it has to be right. a Yankee, but I don't. Remember, I just don't know if I'm in the right time. Frame. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good guess. But you're and you're on the right track. If it was playoff games, I'll yeah. bet you it is Jeter. That could be very well. Yeah. What's your guess, Mark? 
Yogi Berra. Yeah, you got it. I was going to say that would be the other one I probably would have gone and with. It is the Yogi. reason I knew that was yeah. because I knew from a previous question that he had been in the most yeah. series yep, yep. player. Yeah, so exactly. Just, na- just naturally, <laughs> like I said, I, 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 I couldn't figure out which, 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 not generation, but which time frame yes. had the most in there. So, real quick, before we do the which, edit, which 15 what, year block, the yeah, exactly, the which 15 year <laughs> block, what would we think about edible chocolate covered bacon? Oh, yeah, it is edible. Hey. Well, Oh, you mean with drugs in it? Yeah. <laughs> Marijuana. <laughs> I, still illegal on the federal level, people. But three more states legalized it, though, right? Yeah. But think about that. If you got edible chocolate-covered bacon, how good would that be? I'm assuming there is. It has to be. It's got to be. <laughs> okay, guys. Second question. Which position has the least amount of inductees in the MLB Hall of Fame? Pitcher has the most. So, again, okay. I, I think I know the answer. I'll let you go first. It's not the obvious answer. So, oh, okay. I thought. The question is, are the outfielders just outfielders, or are they right field, left field, center field? It's outfield. It's outfield. Oh, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> okay. That's a good point. So, I'd, I'd have to eliminate the outfield then because there's got to – they have to have a lot in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, now you have to go into the infield. Um for some reason, I want to say catcher, but I really don't want to go there. I want to go second base. Okay. That's a good guess. To me, it was kind of a second or catcher, but I was going to go catcher. That's It was either or because – So, to, to me, the obvious pick, the obvious pick was catcher, I thought, because there just isn't that many guys in the history right. that have – I can't that, think of that many ones. That yeah, I, that's famous. the thing. But it's not catcher. It's not catcher. Catcher wow. is second. Oh. First is third base. Third base. And second would have been my second guess. So I was actually really surprised when I when it was yeah. Actually, you know, when you think about it, even though there are some superstars at third, a lot of a lot of them the first the first like sixty or seventy years of baseball, third base was more of a defensive position. It was. It was. Oh, shortstop. I think probably would have been, but I think it got. I think it caught up because one because it was such an athletic defensive position people got in, and then later shortstop became a hitting position over the last twenty five. I think third base is the hardest position to play though on the field. Oh, I agree with you. But I like that position I more like than it any too. because of the fact that I don't have time to think, and I tend to play better a- when I don't think. Oh, it's all instinctual. It is all instinctual. I yeah. agree with everything you said, but it is the hardest position, yeah. I think. I know shortstop has always gotten that moniker, but I I don't think We have that. so much ground to cover. Yeah. I think that's why it gets that moniker. Yeah, but you're, all, but you're the deepest player in the infield when that's you're shortstop, true. so you have the most true. time to get to balls. That's right? true. But you do have to have that. You have to have the incredible But you arm. also have to have that arm, right? Yeah. Okay. Lastly, which of these players did not win a Cy Young award in their career? This is the interesting. John one. Smoltz, Don Drysdale, Nolan Ryan, or Catfish Hunter. And it's probably a surprise answer on this one. I would say I'm, yes. I'm going to go with Smoltz. But if I tell you it's a surprise, it might ruin that. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm I pretty sure Smoltz is winning. I'm going to go Nolan Ryan. Yeah. JP, good guess, buddy. Nolan Ryan. That is unbelievable to it, me. It How is. He never had a single phenomenal Dude, year. He did. He did have some good he years. He had some really good years, but really good teams played against him a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember at, how long he played, though. Oh, yeah, 26 years, dude. Yeah. That's why his numbers are so great, because uh, he had so much time. Yeah. Seven no-hitters, guys? Yeah. Will anybody ever do that again? 
Will anybody pass three? Not Will anybody ever close. get? How many guys even have seven complete games in their careers anymore? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. That's so rare. Because uh, you have to, because you have to think of how rare what he did was. Not just in terms of that, but in terms of he's a strikeout pitcher, and, and a his, strikeout pitcher takes more pitches. So you had to be able to throw yeah. 130 pitches to get those complete games. His and most strikeouts guys can't do that. staggering, staggering. Well, I am the most by a lot. Right? I mean, I'm just blown away by Is the it number. Seven thousand two hundred or something. No, but it's it's high. I mean, it's. Incredible. I know it's over five. Yeah, it's over. It's five. over five, but it's yeah, below under six. six. Okay. But it's yeah, fifty-seven fourteen. I was going to say about fifty-four. I'm going to look up what the all-time is, but I mean. He is far and away. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's number one. I'm he is he yeah. is. I I know number two is Cy Young and he's four thousand something. Right. So, wow. So I mean that's five. You know five. And I mean I I I don't know Cy Young that well. I heard he's a good. I heard he was. I heard he was a good pitcher. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's only got an award named after him. Yeah, yeah right. It's an award. Right. Old Cyclone. What's his oh. real name? Anybody know? I forget. <laughs> I don't know. I don't actually. I know he has a real name, but Tiberius. <laughs> that might be right. I think it is Tiberius. I think you're right. Yeah. Or is that Ty Cobb? Oh, that might, that might be, that Ty, might be Ty, Ty Cobb. Yeah. It's just because Tiberius is such a cool name. Yeah. Let's look it How up. How come nobody's ever named Tiberius anymore? That's a great name. Where does that come from? Wasn't, Tiberius. It, wasn't it Tiberius Kirk? Wasn't that his first name? Yes. James Tiberius Kirk. James Tiberius yeah. Kirk. That's I, like, oh. I, I like Maximus. The name Maximus. <laughs> Denton True. Denton is Cy Young. True Denton Young. True Cy Young. Oh, Cy was his name. It's his nickname. Oh, is this? So what? Why does it say? Can you see why it's his nickname? Uh, that's a good question. Like, where did he get that? I think it's because of the cyclone delivery or whatever. They say that he was like, was like a cyclone yeah, I, or something. That rings a bell for some reason, actually. Yeah, like, Wait, like, say that again? That he was a, that that he had was that cyclone, a cyclone yeah. with the pitching motion, they called it? Oh, you know what? That's right. Remember that, in that the game? That does ring a bell. He was so hard to hit in the freaking MLB game. Oh, right. Because he had that. His leg kicked way back. Well, he, remember, he had that arm thing where you like, he would wind up and swing his arm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Was that Walter Johnson. I don't remember, the, but. That was cool. That was bad. But maybe I'll be the show was cool back then. Yeah. I mean, not that it's not now, but it's just not nearly as interesting anymore. But maybe we got used to it. I don't know. You're right. Cyclone. So Cy Young's Cyclone. nickname came from the fences that he had destroyed using his fastball. <laughs> the fences looked like a cyclone had hit them. Reporters later shortened the name to Cy, which became the nickname Young used for the rest of his life. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, just real quick for our local fans here, uh, why is Vance Johnson Joseph still have? Why does he still have a job? The only reason I can think that he would even have a job is because they don't have any better options. Right? Who are we going to put in that position? Yeah, it's like so, we're don't, gonna don't want to move Musgrave. We, 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 he's, he's a lame, what they call a lame duck coach, lame right? Duck. He's definitely done at the end of the year. We, we switching over to it. NFL right now? I guess we are. Okay. I just wanted to ask that. But question. Here, here's the thing. But don't you have to fire Elway too? I know that's blasphemy, I, but I I don't think Elway should be fired at all. And I know I'm in the minority. This most people on my Facebook page think I'm crazy when I say that. I'm like I'm sorry. That team to me has more than enough talent to be winning right now. Oh, it does. And we got in Kyle Shanahan. I think that team right now is close to Kansas City in the division standings. It, I, in 1917, you could have ran another play to get closer in a field goal instead of kicking a 51-yarder when you already tried, what, a 61-yarder before the half that he missed? 62. Or 62. 
with I 20 mean, seconds. Or, or, they had or, 20 how seconds about, left. or how about when you try and ice the kicker, but you get it in just as the kick is going out, so the kick still goes up and he misses it, and then he kicks it again and he makes he miss- it. <laughs> Of course, but, I mean, just now, well, let's, just let's look at this um, case. Keenum, obviously, Nate, you're a Vikings fan. You know what he did last year with the Vikes. But here's the game: twenty six for forty two, two nineties, one touchdown. Yep. Dude, it's you not the touchdowns that bother me. It's the picks. It's the picks. But how can you get one touchdown in that game? And it was to the freaking tight end, Humerman, Hurman, Hireman, Hireman. That's what it is. Because they have so little ingenuity on on offense, I don't really know why. Especially because you had a couple of games they did it, and they looked like that. they had some, and then all of a sudden it's gone again. You know why it's gone? Because they reused it, and it didn't work. Oh, so they abandoned it. But it did work. They should have won those games. Okay, so the Kansas City game example A, the hook and ladder. You remember that? Mm-hmm. It was third or fourth down. I think fourth down. It was, it was fourth, I think. Yeah, had to go for it. They had a, I mean, it was the perfect play, but for some reason, it was just pure luck. The defender went to wrap up the guy, Cortland Sutton, when he was going to pitch it to Emmanuel, and it like got his arm, and so he couldn't pitch it. get it all the way out, right? And it didn't work. But it was, I mean, dude, it was, it would have been a touchdown. Yeah, it would have been a touchdown. Right, it was a perfectly close. played uh-huh. call. The other call in that game was the DT call. Freaking defensive coordinator calls cover two, and the guy blew his assignment, and mm-hmm. DT was wide open. Wide and case open. overthrew him, if you remember that play. Oh, yeah. But Way overthrew him. What a great play call. You know, it was perfect. It was. The guy was right there. I mean, it was just one of the easier throws. He should have made it. But, um, yeah, I don't think Musgrave is a bad offensive coordinator, but I think he has been scared off from trying anything kind of crazy because of the you know the lack of success in big moments so i completely agree well, the ball does not bounce the broncos way this year at all it's not bouncing but, except for the first two games the other thing with i don't remember the first two games I know they, they won, won but i don't remember i don't remember why <laughs> they, they won on the uh, kick into the last second of the, if i remember the correctly yeah. the broncos offense and team in the first two games this year was the same as the first two games last year and maybe the first two games the year before where they look fantastic, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, well we we only had we we need a season to plan game plan for one game. They just they're just not finishing. They're not That's, finishing. I mean, Lindsey was no their leading ball instinct, carrier, yeah. seventeen for sixty yards. Uh, Hewerman was their leading catcher, ten for eighty three. We I, I really think we can't under underscore enough that Case Keenum has thrown more interceptions, yes. like almost twice as many as he threw last year. He threw none in the red zone last year. He's thrown a ton in the red Tons zone this year. You can't have. There's a big difference between the team he's on now right. and the team he was well, on last the year. The biggest thing that I'm looking it, at is still you still have Emmanuel Sanders. You have a stud in Sutton as a rookie. Yeah. You got Deshaun Hamilton, the running who's, a, game is good. Is, who's a stud from Penn State who doesn't get the much run, playing time. He has a lot of speed inside. Yeah. You've got some rookies there you can start running some routes with. But is Keenum going to get the ball to him? I don't I know. Mean, you know I would, have tops of line. You know Yeah. I mean, their best, their best two offensive linemen went down for yeah, the season. Yeah, you know their center and, and but left not, guard. But, not, but, but this, this is also didn't happen until halfway point of the season, so they still weren't good before that. They were the first few weeks, but then for whatever reason, again attrition. I yeah, don't know the what first happened. They look good. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It feels like Vance Joseph is just. And again, I'm not saying that I think he's a terrible coach or that he won't have success the next time around. Yeah. I just think that he didn't realize what his job was. I agree. And did not create the structure. 
Right. And it's almost I, impossible to know if you've never been a head coach, right? right? I mean, right. How how do you know? You know? I can tell you from my job right now that I watch my boss a lot just to try to learn mm-hmm. how he coordinates things. Oh yeah. Because they're incredibly. That's the tricky part is that you can't because you you are you are have a dual thing going right. There's a lot um, of compliance things in our well in that our too. Business. Yeah. But you've got the one side is get everything that you've got current going performing well enough to keep that as a client right but then you've also got to think well we're going to lose some clients no matter what for some reason just like you know go under those that client goes under or they they decide to do their own thing or whatever but i mean so now you've got to be thinking about business development and bringing in new business and trying to coordinate those are two very different job responsibilities that you have to find a way to coordinate and i think it's the same thing for an nfl head coach i think you have to find a way to coordinate your three basic tenants right your offense your defense and your special teams how do you get them – how do you structure them so that they're all working efficiently, and, but they have to buy into your philosophy at top? And that's what I think is missing with Vance Joseph. And it may not be something that he can't fix, or maybe if he had been able to pick his own coaches from the start, maybe that had been better. I agree. I think that's a big part of it, but I do think his lack of experience, like you said, is everything. Um, you know, just not knowing – those decisions like to me any college coach would have not kicked the 62 yarder at the end of right regulation like 28 seconds left or something like that with two timeouts that's too much right and you're i mean you're basically giving them the ball at midfield midfield so they only get 20 yards yeah and i mean i get it you know mcmanus has a leg you're trying to like take an advantage you're trying to desperately but to me all you do you play smart. All you do is punt the ball, and then they're at the you know the ten well, with you, no time left. You lost by two points. I know. So there's the there's that field goal. Yeah. yeah well, he'd certainly lost the game on his own last week, no doubt about it. Right. But uh, yeah, I just think you know it's just lack of experience, man. And I and I you know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I think Vance will be successful his next time around. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really sharp guy. I think he's a really good guy, and I think he now understands what culture takes to kind of, um, you know, to build. I think he understands that. So I think next time, if he's, you know, if he's smart, and I think he is, he will ask that he is able to choose his staff. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I think that's super important. Like, how do you expect a guy to, you know, if you bring him into a team and he doesn't know anybody and, you know, I'm just trying to use an outside example. Like if you're, let's just say you're at work, you know, and you're trying to, you're brought into a team of problem solvers or something, you know, and, and none of you know each other, you know, you don't know how you, you work. You don't know anything about each other. Like you're just not going to do very well, you I, know? And so you've got it. You're right. It's communication and establishing that culture from the top. Here's what I want. And here's how we're going to execute it guys. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think he's learned a lot, but, you know, what's crazy is it makes me think about, and I just stumbled upon this last night um, because Sling dropped HBO. I had to get HBO now, but HBO now doesn't show live programming. It only shows it like the day after. So I can't watch Bill Maher anymore until Saturday. <laughs> until Saturday. So, um, so I got home last night and I was doing some laundry. I, was, oh, I found a thing and it was a interview. Mm-hmm. And it was an interview that had never been aired before until this guy put it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, I had had some impressions on Steve Jobs that were mostly negative. Like, obviously, he was an innovator and he was good at that part, but he was also, you know, kind of a, a, a douche and he a wasn't dick. A great and a human being, maybe. Yeah. But I tell you what, man, that interview—you watch him, you realized why people achieved under him. 
Yeah. He had he just exuded he just exuded this leadership and excellence. He expected yeah. excellence from everyone and it, and he didn't let up. He was relentless. But I mean relentless. it was weird because like I always had this impression of him being kind of like an asshole, but he didn't seem like an asshole at all. He was like cuz they talked about how some play, you know people had worked for him and they just like you can't work for him anymore. I had to leave and he's like well, I'll bet if you ask those people if they've ever had a better life experience and when they worked on the Apple II, they'll probably say no. And the interview went, actually, we've interviewed like 10 of them and they all said exactly that, that it was the most cherished like career moment or career time that they had mm-hmm. was working on that project and achieving something so amazing. Because you got to remember, that was basically the first home computer ever. I mean, they, they, well, they the created Macintosh, a market. Right? Well, they said the Mac, well, the Mac one or it was the, the Apple one was the one that they made. that was just a circuit board. Mm-hmm. And then the Apple two was the one that, that established the home computer. And then the Macintosh came out in 1984. Oh, I thought the 2E, so the 2E was after the Macintosh then. I don't know. Okay. I, I just know the interview they were talking about. I didn't know the there Apple was II a was difference the big, between the big the, change. There was an Apple 2C and an Apple 2E. And I can't remember which was which. Oh, I, they, didn't, they didn't ever mention a moniker after. They were just talking about the thing. I know this also, because I had it. I had an Apple 2E. Well, and uh, this interview was, t- was with him. Uh, the year before Next was purchased by Apple, and he became the CEO again. Oh, uh-huh. And he was talking about what had happened to Apple and how how long it was thought he was going to be until they went under and things like that. But it was really curious, like how much he values employees. Oh, and I think that that's something that yeah. maybe I don't know if that happens in the NFL as much, sure. you know. But like when you think about Billichek, right? You think about his interviews, and he's like, you know, like, oh, he's just stoic, and he's just you know mumbles, and he doesn't, you know, looks, you know, looks da da da. But then you talk to players, and what do they all say? He's a cut-up. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's awesome. They can't wait to go see him and talk to right. him, and they want to achieve for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what is, what is that thing that we're missing on a lot of these head coaches, and how do you find a guy with it? I don't know how you do that. I don't how know. do you find a coach to do that? And then also we got to think about, did not most of these great coaches, a lot of times, I mean, like Doug Peterson is kind of a, uh, an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Most coaches – fail horrifically their first time through. Mm-hmm. Remember when Pete Carroll's on the Patriots? Yep. Man, he was terrible. Terrible. Comes back, goes to USC, refines his processes, learns a little bit more about Most running the ship. Most college coaches haven't done well. At least the first round, at least. Yeah. yeah. But then he comes back with the Seahawks. He's been fantastic. Or Bilicek, he was horrible his first go-around. Yeah. He was always a good defensive coordinator, well, but now, he was not a good coach the let, let's, let's think about this because um, – Somebody said something uh, really interesting. I, I don't remember what commentator, but it was about Bill Parcells and how he used to kid around in locker rooms and so on and so forth. And Sean Payton's been doing that with being put in the lunch pail or the gas can like you were gas last game. He came in, he got the gas can in your locker room, and he keeps real, you know. <laughs> but Belichick came from that same regime. Yeah. There's a regime around Parcells that has been doing unbelievably I didn't realize well. he was a, a, a Parcells protege yeah they came from parcells boy yeah. parcells was a gamer man did he ever go anywhere and not create a good team didn't mean they win didn't mean they won it no but people dallas, wanted to play for him <laughs> i tell you that new york giant mm-hmm. miami remember when he went to miami miami had been a joke for mm-hmm. like five straight years or six straight years in one off season he made him respectable now they yep. didn't win anything but they were a, they were a hard team to beat they were they he definitely knew how were. to find football players mm-hmm. you know but I also think it's it's too hard if you have a coach and GM duties. You know, like I don't think the GM for the Patriots gets nearly enough press for what they do. I mean, how often do you see them go get the guy that know, that everybody avoids like the plague? They remind me of Anderson. Like if Anderson was a head coach, <laughs> Chavez was doing it in the NFL. 
like the Josh Gordon or the uh, the uh, who was the who was the running back that they got? Um, uh, Jeremy Hill. No, remember that one guy that they brought in from uh, from the Cleveland or from the Cincinnati that one year, and they had him like Corey Dickinson was his oh, name. Oh, Dylan. Dylan. Corey Dylan. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they do that a lot. They only keep yeah. him for like two years. And it's like they... the Broncos did that for a while. Remember, they were churning guys out in that backfield. <laughs> well, yeah, but just they were just doing well with their own players in their scheme, the Alex Gibbs scheme. But I just mean like the Patriots will go get that guy. Like I was amazed they didn't go get Des Bryant. They seem to always go grab that guy they can get on the cheap and that has been who's got the talent, but people have gotten tired of. And they're just like, well, you can come here and play because you're going to know right at the second you walk through this door, that's Tom Brady right there. Do you know how much you matter? You don't. That's what matters. And so everybody that plays that there knows I am subservient to Tom Brady, and I think that's a big reason it works. Oh, and I think what what they did when they brought in Gordon is I think they put his locker right next to Tom Brady's. Oh, did they? I, I'm pretty sure I heard that. That's I a good idea, right? Yeah. Pretty smart. Because they put him right you, next to Tom. How are you not going to learn better habits? Yeah. How are you not going to feel weird when you're like, oh, I'm – Okay, I'm done. I'm gonna get out of here. And your guys, they're going. Okay, well, I just got done from the game. I'm gonna go watch film for the next four hours. And you're like, well, oh, that's that's what you do. I'll, yeah. that's I'll how agree, you win. I'll agree with Matt Barry probably for the first time in my life. But <laughs> I I do think that Josh Gordon is gonna have a big game this week. Who are so, they playing? Titans. Uh, Titans. Yeah, they're playing the Titans uh, in Tennessee. Yeah, I I think he's gonna have a huge game. Bring him up. Explain to me who the Titans are. I don't think the Titans know who they are right now. <laughs> like their it's a last strange game. team. Well, they just dominated. Yeah, they dominated the Cowboys 28-14. <laughs> it's just like, who are these guys? I mean, they, and who's Mariota? They, You'll see him yeah. make one pass. Well, Mariota, phenomenal. the week before they played the Eagles, was terrible. They play the Eagles. He has a half-decent game. They decide to not kick the field goal for the tie. They go for it in overtime to win the game. Right. And it's just like, all right, that's a ballsy play. But, I mean – Mariota, one drive, he looks great. The next drive, he looks terrible. I think it's health. Health, and I think there's a lot of problems on the offensive line. Their line's good, but it just seemed like he's like, I, I swear you look at, when I watch him, I feel like he's a guy waiting to break out and be a great quarterback, he but I'm not sure if it's going to happen. He can't take that next step for whatever reason. I don't yeah. know. Is it because he's, he's, he's an Oregon quarterback? He, he's, <laughs> he's not a great pocket passer. No. I, mean, right. I don't know if he ever will be. But you think about no. Mariota, and then you think about Harrington, right? Yeah. Two guys who just – now, now Mariota's been better than Harrington was, but yeah. Mariota certainly hasn't been great. I, I, I don't know. Harrington has Harrington like two years, didn't he? No, he had more than that. <laughs> Did he? Not okay. much more, though. I just remember how bad he was in Detroit. That's a good question. Let's he look did, it up. He didn't have that much more, but, you know, maybe it comes back to thinking about getting your leg broken, you know, in a game. You know, you start second guess. You know, is your line going to pick does that give, blitz does it up? Give you just a one half a second. One of half a second. Because look, right? look at Eli Manning right now. He looks like a deer in the headlights. So just a freaking ghost on the sideline of somebody. Yeah, I'm sorry. What were we, yeah. we going to look up? Harrington. Harrington. <laughs> but that was that was that stretch of Matt Millen just disaster after oh, disaster when he picked those he four really, receivers. I, and I, I, I feel bad for the guy. It was just it was, it was a disaster. It really was. I, if I remember. Right, doing that well in the hospital right now who uh, matt millen oh, oh that's yeah. right he's in the yeah he, i think he's in the hospital in jersey it's the same right one now. That, i thought it was a different i thought it was a different guy i thought that was no a, uh... no matt millen he's a penn stater uh he's the guy that came out after yeah. all the 
Penn State scandal. H- Harrington was, was third. He was the third overall draft pick in the 2000. Yeah, well, they, they were they were in the national championship yeah. that year. Oregon was. He was the third overall. That was the year that, that yeah. was the year that Colorado beat Nebraska by so 60 points. So he did play six years, which okay. is longer than I thought. I was going to give him uh, four. What he, he was he was a starter for Detroit 2002 yeah. to 2005, oh. and then one year in the, for the Dolphins the next year, yep. and then he was a backup in Atlanta. And, 07 and a backup in New Orleans in New Orleans. So he probably made a decent amount of money at least. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's just like he was, he seemed like he was another, but they never had any weapons, I don't think either. No, um, they didn't no. put much around him. But I mean, his numbers were pretty, pretty good a couple years. I mean, considering, la- you know, the last few years where the passing has been more dominant, you know, sure. than it was 20 years ago. But I mean, um, doesn't really show his yards though. Huh. Anyway, it's a uh, he's an interesting player. And he didn't ever get to play with Barry Sanders, right? Sanders was gone by then. Sanders was way gone by then. Was he? I'm pretty yeah. sure. When did he retire? I don't even know. 90s probably. It was then. in the I, Oh, was it that early? It was in the 90s and I think uh, it was before I moved to Colorado, so I think it was before 97. Wow. So it was, it was right before he was going to break Walter Payton's record, right? He didn't want Yeah, to break he didn't want to break his record. Yeah. Didn't want to didn't want to damage sweetness. Yeah. Sure it was cool to see the uh the football life with Barry Sanders because boy, he doesn't regret it all. Even man, he doesn't. He's so happy and content. Yeah, it's like boy, you really. It's really nice to see. He's that, doing you know? divorce law commercials now. <laughs> what is that? What is that law firm? Uh, Wick and Wick, or I don't know. Yeah, the one two, the, the men the men's divorce law yeah, firm. It's yeah, two two of the same you, last name. You built a strong family. You built a strong. You, you built. <laughs> you, you got a good home. You've developed. Or you've saved hard for your family, and all you want to do is just you know. Be able to love your children. Don't let her take that away from you. <laughs> I love In other words, prenup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> prenup times two. Oh, it just cracks me up. Dude, those commercials are great, though. I've always thought it's funny. Is have you noticed that you was if you listen to uh, the fan, you know, here's our local station, and if you listen to them all day or at least the morning show, mm-hmm. you only really hear four kinds of commercials, right? One is ED, right? There's nothing but ED commercials. Two, <laughs> testosterone therapy, right? Three, wedding rings or jewelry from Zales. Shane, Shane Zales, Zales. and Shane's their big one, right? That's the one I hear yeah. the most. Shane coming in the Williams brothers. The right? Williams brothers, yeah. yes, yes. And then the other one is uh, Elway's preferred uh, mortgage company. Oh Remember yeah, the, yeah. The one that the ones Golden that are, Oak Lindy. Yeah, well, the, the ones, one the, the ones, the ones that are uh, 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 salary based and not commission based. Right. And it was so funny because. On the fan on the Saturday mornings, they have that uh, um, ICL, I think it is, or it's the the other lender that they have. That Sandy Club always has. Yeah, right they had, they were on this morning. And, uh, yeah, they're on every Saturday. Yeah, and it's funny because they talk about that commercial, and the guy who runs that place says, "I don't understand what that's supposed to be saying." He goes, "I, you don't make any more money off of one loan than another." He's like, "The loan period is the money." So he's like, "It doesn't our cut doesn't really change in terms of what we charge." So he's like, "I don't understand why that would be a big deal to say that you're." guys are paid on salary and not commission. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just the perception of the customer, you know, where if somebody's on commission that they have this like cutthroat thing where they're going to really try to do everything they can to get you to sign on the dotted line. You know, I think that's that more than, than anything. It's just that perception. But it's funny because anybody who's worked in sales like us, you're going to be like, Oh, well, but you're you're still going to have a goal. And if you don't hit your goal, you're still going to get fired at some point. So it doesn't really matter how you, you know, how you're paid for it. Right. It just, you know, you're, you're still going to have to pressure somebody into making the sale. You know? Yeah. 
But anyway, I just thought it was kind of it kind of a humorous uh, set of commercials that they always do. They're always the same. So where do we want to uh, jump next? You know, we got to make sure we get our your uh, your picks in before yeah. we run out of oh, time. Because right. yeah. uh, the games this weekend, the big games are Cowboys Eagles on Sunday night, Seahawks Rams, and Patriots Titans. Yeah, a lot of buys. Is, this is week. Cowboys Eagles a big game? Well, it's oh, important for the division. It's for the division, yeah. yeah. Are, aren't both teams like in danger of not even being in the race? Uh, no, they're, oh, they're all in it. They're all in it right now. Yeah. Every single the Giants fit two and that, that, six yeah, are technically in are still in it. Because yeah. Washington lost last Sunday, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, is it a three-way tie? Uh, it's well, they very were five well, and two, so now they're five and three. It very well could be. So are the Eagles and Cowboys five and three? No. Cowboys can't because they lost a tie. No, I think they're both four or 500. Four and four, they, well, maybe Washington's five. Eagles could be five, three, and three, but I don't think Dallas is. Okay, NFC East five and three are the Redskins. Four and four are the Eagles. Three and five are the Cowboys. Okay. And one, seven. They're one, one and seven. Game. So basically, the Eagles could jump from uh, they could be five and four or four and five. The Cowboys could be three and six or yeah, four a, and five. It's a, it's, a, it's a big game. Yeah, for the division. Yeah. yeah. Because no one is expecting the Redskins to right. take that where, where they are right now and stay there. <laughs> All right. Well, should we do college football, dude? Why yeah, don't you why rock you, that out? Well, you can rock or do your, you want me to do NFL first? Yeah, do, do your picks because all, all my picks are – my picks are all later in the game, oh, okay, and Statement great. Saturday is going to be – when I break this down for you, it really was interesting how it played out. So let's, awesome. let's, let's get some NFL bets in here. Okay. Uh, well, I haven't – man, I'm a little behind, guys. On how did we do last week? I had some trouble with the spreadsheet. So, anyway, last week we didn't do so well. No, I didn't I re- either. I was 0-2. From what I remember, we, I think I was 1-3 last week. You Bastard depleted my my gambling. <laughs> I know he blames he blames us. I go eleven and one the three weeks previous, and then he finally follows to decide or decides to follow my picks, and then we have a bad week. Yeah. Whose you, fault is it? You, yeah, you dirty bastards. Yes. Okay. So yeah, we got to recover a little bit, but but still, uh, guys, if you're following, we're making money. We're doing well. Keep with us. Uh, I think you know at the end of the, the end of the day and the end of the Super Bowl we're going to be in the in the black. So anyway, here we go. First pick, we've got the Jets minus seven at home versus the poor Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I, I have to say, I think Josh McCown comes in and performs well as always. Buffalo is just terrible. They're going to continue to struggle. I think the Jets blow them out. Uh, so we got the Jets there. Next game I have at Tennessee, who is a seven-point underdog versus Wait, the Patriots. So hang on, is this week nine or week eight? You are nine. in. No, you're week ten. week ten because I'm in week eleven. Ten. Week eleven. I missed, four. I missed eight. We have to. We have a couple of weeks to okay, put so in there. Two weeks. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. want. Yeah. I was going to put it now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in week eleven on college right here. Yeah, yeah. We need to up I need to update that deal. Um okay, so yeah, so Tennessee at home, seven point underdog versus the Patriots. Patriots are gonna continue their domination. Yeah. Uh they win going away. Uh then I've got uh at Tampa, who is a three point favorite versus the Redskins. I have the Redskins rebounding this week against a so terrible I'm, I'm Tampa. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to update this thing while we're talking. So what was the spread on that game? The Jets No 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 Tennessee game. Oh, seven. Tennessee was seven. The first two are both seven actually. Tennessee's favorite or, or under Tennessee's an underdog to the Patriots, yeah. but they are at home. And it was seven. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And then the third game is Tampa at home, three-point favorite versus Washington Redskins. And I have the Redskins taking that game. And I think it'll be a close one. But uh, I could see that. I think uh, I think the Redskins take it. Um, And then finally, where we've had our most success this year, guys, I think only we're going to have to look back, but it's only two losses, I think, on the whole season on our hundred dollar bets on the over. Yeah. So uh, we're doing really well on those hundred dollar bets. Again, this is the hundred dollar Sunday night special. We've got Dallas and Philly. The over under is forty three and a half. And I am I'm going over. I think uh, I think we're going to see a little bit of offense. Uh, I agree with you on yeah, that. Yeah, and I think uh, we're going to have a nice week. So let's rebound, fellas. Does that mean you're asking me not to bet with with your picks? No, you can bet <laughs> with my picks. Do it. We're uh, we're doing pretty good so far. So would like to keep it up. Um, okay. Well, should we, uh, do you want to move right into college or? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's move into college and then maybe we'll give on our mid season NFL awards if we have enough time right at the end of here. Um, so cool. move, moving right into college football here. Um, so last weekend, this was actually really, it was statement Saturday. So let's just go through this quick. Number one, Alabama beat number three, LSU 29, nothing. <laughs> statement Saturday statement. So this is where we're going to, everyone's going to, Alabama's going to roll. Yeah, the title. statement was all the higher ranked seeds won all their games because <laughs> number two, Clemson 77, Louisville 16, by the way, Clemson did cover the point spread on that. Um, number four, Notre Dame at Northwestern 31, 21, Notre Dame covered the point spread by a half point. So if, if all the favorites were winning in college and all the favorites were winning in the NFL, you, wow. didn't re- you didn't read about that in Vegas? Oh, no, I read about that, but I just—I mean, it's, I think it's important to point out. Well, uh, well, Vegas, uh, they had their maybe their worst weekend ever. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, millions of dollars. Yeah, Num- number five, Michigan blew out number fourteen, Penn State, forty-two to seven, covered the point spread in that one. Forty-two uh, to seven. Forty-two. It was ugly. Uh, number six, Georgia versus number nine, Kentucky. This is one of my losses. Thirty-four seventeen. So Georgia covered the point spread in that one. They're Oklahoma good. 51, Texas Tech 46. Oklahoma. They did not. That's cover. a push. That's a. I was a six point point spread. Oh, was it? It was six or it was. A, well, I'm pretty sure it was six because it was a really close that's point. That's not spread. a six point difference though. Oh, they didn't cover then. Wait a second. Well, didn't you say it was 4336? Oh, 5146. So five points. Five points. Okay. Well, they so didn't maybe cover. it was a. Okay. I don't know. Um, obviously, this is my second loss. Number eight, Washington did beat Cal 1913, but did not cover the seven and a half point point spread. And then Ohio State did not cover the point spread against Nebraska. Number 10, 36 they to 31. The they game. almost lost the game. So it was interesting to look how I look back at all these point spreads. They were all within two to a half point to two points off each other, which I found really interesting when you're talking about betting in football. That's really close stuff. It is. It really is. Now, this weekend, we have some really good matchups. We got number 16, Mississippi State versus number one, Alabama. You know, can Mississippi State score on Alabama is the question because Mississippi State does not have a good offense. Good defense. I'm looking at Alabama like 35, maybe 42 to seven in this game, maybe 49 to seven in this game. Um, Clemson and Boston College. This one I don't have on my board. My board's already up online. Um, if you're looking at this one, Boston College is uh, right now a uh, what were they? A 17 and a half point underdog. 
for Clemson against Clemson. Yeah, if I think that's what it is. I'm just let me oh, pull. that half point is always so. Crazy, I know, man. but he, here's the here's right? the thing. I'm going to tell you I right. I love how they do that. right now. I'm going to tell you this Anakin. right off the bat. Um, half point always pisses. Clemson off. is not used to have up in Chestnut Hill. It's going to be about 33 degrees and raining. Um, the the Boston College has a running back. Goes his name is Dylan. Goes about 240 pounds. They're gonna pound the rock at Clemson like there's no tomorrow, and really try to confuse that that defense. If it is the point spread I'm thinking of, which I'm gonna get to right now, um, it's actually 18 and a half, which it, so it went up by a point. I would look to problems going up and playing at Chestnut Hill, even though you want it's not a big stadium, but it's 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 cold. And a hot, a warm weather team like that. Well, Miami went up there and just looked terrible. They looked, gave up because it was cold. I like it. I the like the analysis. Out of the 110 or so stadiums out there for mm-hmm. for for uh, is it single A or whatever? What do you call? What's the top F- level of college? FBS, FBS football FBS. bowl series. Um, how many of the stadiums do you think you could name? Oh, I bet you I could probably name. 90% of them. You showed me there's actually, I put that on Facebook once you showed me a picture. I can name the stadium. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. You do seem to know the names of all the stadiums. Is that because even of your video game in, days or is that because of I've watched so much college so much football. football. It's been just absolutely ridiculous. I couldn't even name probably or more I can, than. I don't know if the, I can name the stadium actual name because they changed so much, but I can name what team plays there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I guess I wouldn't ask you to name like, if it's if it's got naming rights, right? Like mile high is mile high. I don't right. care who bought, who bought it, but the it, name before you, it. You you give me a stadium and I can tell you. I was who, just gonna say, I bet you can't name. Yeah. All the do you stadiums. think if you and I, do you think you and I together could get all the baseball stadiums? Yeah, yeah, you could. I don't think we could get all the NFL ones though. I could get all the. I could not. No. I could probably get. I all, don't even know most of them. The NFL stadiums I could probably get. I'm looking. I'm thinking around the whole NFL. Yeah. I could. T- I, I could name. I think I know think most of Three Rivers Stadium, but... and that's not even the stadium for either one of the no, teams. It's Heinz Field now. Well, I'm going to think of for for Pittsburgh for the Steel or for the Pirates. PNC Park. Oh, PNC oh, Park. Yeah. PNC Park. It's a, they they built a smaller stadium actually. So look out for Boston College. I don't have. That's a bonus pick. Look out for Boston College covering okay. that spread. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. And those Clemson players do not play in the cold ever. <laughs> and BC is a tough place to go in and play. I'm, it's a Saturday night game, so watch out for that oh, one. Yeah, Saturday night smash cold. mouth football coming. That's what you're going to see, a hundred percent coming. Um, <clears throat> we go to Georgia and Auburn at Georgia. Now this is a game where Georgia is looking. They're they're only I think they're favored uh, six. This is not on this the other one, but if you want to have hey, some fun betting today, if you want to go, I'll pull up spreads. Oh, it's a, it's a fourteen point Georgia, but it's at home. They're on a roll. They're already um, literally – they already have the SEC champion wrapped up. It's a tough point spread against Auburn. Auburn really has to win. Auburn has the chance to beat Alabama, but they really kind of don't, in my opinion. Um, Ohio State, Michigan State, this game gives Ohio State fits all the time. I think the point spread is three and a half right now okay. for this game. So that's another interesting one. I'm going to go off the radar. You see um, East Carolina University at Tulane. It's a 12-point Tulane, um, favorites Tulane by 12. Look for Tulane to cover that spread. ECU is playing terrible football right now, and Tulane just beat Houston. Um, and they're scoring about 51, 41 to 51 points a game. Where is Tulane? Uh, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. That's Tulsa. Tulane is in um, um, uh, uh, Louisiana. My bad. Oh, it's Louisiana. Yeah, they play in the Superdome. 
There's a lot of schools. Temple's in Philly, right? Temple's in Philly. They play at uh, the link where um, the Eagles play. play. Yeah. Where's Towson? Is that in Maryland? Towson is in Maryland. Okay. It's about 30 miles to the oh. east of uh, uh, College Park, Maryland, which is uh, Maryland University. So my picks for, to, for today, <clears throat> I'm looking at your upset. Number 19, Texas has to go to Texas Tech. Texas, Texas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, Texas just got beat by West Virginia by a score of 51 to 46 or something like that at home. And this is at Texas Tech. Texas Tech, I have winning the game, and the over-under is 62. I'm taking Texas Tech and the over this one. Because you get me Texas and Texas and at least 31 points on the board as, as – Combined as both teams, yeah, no way in hell that the over under is thirty one. No, 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 sixty two. I'm saying if oh, both teams, each. yeah, so they score thirty one each. You're at sixty two. I'm looking at looking at a you know a forty nine to forty five game here. So if you bet on that game, you're just hoping it kind of goes like the Pittsburgh game went on Thursday, where you're like, oh, the overs hit in the first half. Yes, basically, because <laughs> I mean, look at the the over under. I think last week for uh, uh, West Virginia Texas was something about the same, and they hit ninety. Wow. So I'm looking at, at that plus the over. Is that That's the upset plus the over right there. My lock of the week is going to be TCU going into West Virginia, coming off the big Texas win. It is uh, West Virginia by 11 and a half, and I'm going West Virginia 42-21. Will Greer, just like I said at the beginning of the year, look out for Will Greer in those last stretch of the games. This, last week was one of them where he beat Texas. He's jumped back up to number three in the Heisman race. He dropped all the way to seven. He's, He's back up to number three. So that's the college breakdown for you right there. It is up online. Like I said, look for BC to cover that spread. Look for um, uh, ECU to go down to Tulane by more than 12. Yeah. All right. Well, we will uh, get the uh, get both of the uh, gambling sheets updated on our website. So go there and place your bets, www.sports. Excuse me. Um, boy, that one went fast, fellas. That was a uh, – when you go off the cuff, uh, time goes by really quick. It was so great, um, man. Hopefully it was a little yeah. entertaining for you guys out there. Any last uh, thoughts you want to pass along to our listeners? Hopefully we get back into the winning column this week here on our bets. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, there was something that you had said earlier that I was going to try and make a note on, and I completely forget what it was. So hopefully it was important. I will say I'm going to start playing Red Dead Redemption 2 tomorrow, so I'm very excited. You say uh, redheaded redemption? No, Red Dead Redemption. Oh, okay. <laughs> JP, it's already in the works. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, did finally finish off Spider-Man. So uh, one of the few games that was worth every dollar. So I, I highly recommend. So I don't know how much time we have left, but uh, we do want to thank everyone for tuning in. Follow us on or like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and check out our website at thesportsoffensive.com. Have a great weekend. Go buy your Rolex. Offensive out.